Hey everyone, welcome to Frame Trap. We're here with Ian Hank. Hi. I was a big crack in the floor. I yeah, just fell down. Huge crack. You're already throwing me off for two reasons. Huge crack in the floor. Yeah. I always expect like a, a, a special Hi. hey. Yeah, yeah the that long was high. That Hi. was a business. I'm signing the checks. Hey. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I just yeah, don't I was, know. I'm shaking it up. Okay. Keep them on their toes. So you're just shaking it up. We don't just need to like go everything's through. Fine. Everything's, no, everything's fine. fine. Everything's, everything's fine. fine. And. Back after uh, missing like two episodes, yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Glad to have it back, Michael Huber. It's good to be back. See, you're you're aligning with everything's normal with you. Okay, we're normal. back. We're back on the normal flow of Frame <laughs> Trap. Uh, I feel like the last couple of intros, I keep bringing up summer, but I keep thinking about summer. Summer is my favorite season, and the reason summer is my favorite season is because when I was a kid, I loved it because I didn't have to go to school. Yeah. It's just three months of I can play as many video games as I want and I can't get in trouble for not doing my homework. And I just it's something special that I've always hung on to. And then I thought about that a little bit more and I thought if I could have one thing back from my childhood, whether it was like a physical thing or just some sort of quality of life thing or way the world was working, what would it be? And I, I wasn't sure. It was hard to pin it down to one thing. Is there one thing right now, if you could will it from your childhood into existence to be part of your life, what would it be? I wish I could watch Aliens for the very first time again. Mm. Why that one specifically? It's my favorite movie of all time. You just want that first <laughs> viewing experience? Yep. They need to make a product where you can pick something like minuscule like that, wipe your brain, and yeah. just experience it yeah. for the oh, first yeah, time yeah, over yeah. and over again. <laughs> oh, I just punched your mic. It's cool. I wish that hadn't happened. I wish I hadn't punched Huber's so mic. So you were a child when you punched the mic, and yes. post-punch you're an adult. <laughs> yeah. so I'm an wish adult, you could go back and I wish. And grown up. Oh, I don't know. I had a few. I had a sad answer was my first one, but then I was like, nah. Uh, and then I was like, I have, I have a memory of... Uh, well, I mean, I wish my mom wasn't dead. That's the sure. sad answer. Yeah. Uh, but, like, uh, and then I had a, a funny thought of remembering back to my friend Brandon and I playing Final Fantasy X on two TVs next to each other for, like, an entire week. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, that's literally our job. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I don't need that back. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that sense of freedom, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a pretty good sense of freedom, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Life is good, Ben. I want for nothing. Nice. More or less. I like that answer. Yeah. yeah. That's a good positive answer. I it was pretty depressing. Yeah. So now, like, things are a lot happier now. Mm-hmm. He's so, looking up. Yeah. I, one thing that I kind oh, of missed. But I, I wish the Berenstein Bears was still spelled Steen. Yeah. I'm, yeah. like, on this now. That That's what I want. I, I want to be back in my Bears. original universe. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I was wrong about that, and everyone... In my life, every single person that I interacted with was wrong about the Berenstain Bears. Yeah. Everyone. Like, I that wanna, was the world I was in. I want to like listen to the show again and see if they just say it, Berenstain Bears, even though it's pronounced or spelled stain. Well, it's, it's the accent. Because so somebody sent us right. a link, and it does sound like they're saying Berenstain Bears. Yeah. The Berenstain? I don't know. The Berenstain Bears. Because it's like, I watched that show. Yeah. And like I'm a really like picky person, so I feel yeah. like I wouldn't have continued pronouncing it wrong. But you did. Right. Your whole life is a lie. My entire life is a lie. I guess if I had to pick something, uh, as fun as it is to talk with you guys about games, and it is, I wouldn't give it up for anything. I wouldn't trade one for the other. But I feel like as time goes on, 
I can't. It's harder and harder for me to just play a game if it's outside of work. Oh yeah. And I do yeah, miss yeah, the yeah. days where I could just be like, today no. I'm just going to play this multiplayer game all day, and it will accomplish yep. nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Still haven't yeah. played near. Sure. Because I don't have any work-related tasks involving it. That just felt like you <laughs> <laughs> unleashing a burden, just yeah. like taking this weight off your shoulder. Still, I just uh, just so haven't played near. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was you touched it. I. I would say you could just not. No, I have to. Why? I really like too it. much hype about it. Just to stick yeah. it to him. Just to see the 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 hype. Mm-hmm. It's been hyped. I think it's a great. I think it's been extremely hyped to the point of like you better fucking play it, Huber, or I'm, I'm coming to like get you. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll anger. be interested to see what you think of it. I'm not Me coming too. at you with any yeah. sort of anger. It's just you like storytelling in games. This yes. has a really interesting... This is not only an interesting story, it has really interesting storytelling, and you like platinum games and platinum combat. Every... The stars align for the yeah. game. Everything about it I like. Boxes ticked. Like, I look at it and I say, I like all those things. Yeah. So we'll see. Cool. Well, well I, I hope we yeah. get you on a frame trap and you... By the end of the year, I've I've 100% made it a mission to. Cool. To and then we can get finally there. do that uh, spoiler cast, spoiler <laughs> yeah. spoiler mode about it someday, <laughs> someday. Because I played it, you yeah, played it, I played it, Brad, Brad has played, played it. it, Kyle played it. He quit on it. Yeah, Kyle quit on it. Well, he didn't understand that you didn't have to fish. The spoiler modes are always so tricky because there's fishing in it. We were yeah. But I love everything about this game. We were, yeah. <laughs> like, getting close to recording the Persona 5 spoiler cast, and then Huber was like, hey, man, I'm 65 hours in. And so he's like, oh, no, like, let's let's wait. Let's yeah, get Huber let's in wait. here. Let's make it a better conversation. And so it's hard finding the balance between waiting and, like, just making it as good as we can and actually just getting it out there. Yeah. So we got to do a bunch of movie ones, too. We haven't nailed that. But. Bebe Dravier. Spiderman. I can be so gullible sometimes. I was just about to ask, what is... Bebe Revere. What it's is a that? Cool, it's a little-known French film uh, by French, Edgar. French uh, New Wave. And I was like, oh, that sounds like something cool they talk about on Reaction Shots. <laughs> <laughs> this hip movie show. Yeah. Bebe Revere. Well, outside of uh, hot French films, what have you been playing, Ian Hink? Oh, I go first? You're going first. Boom. Whoa. Hot seat. Whoa. Whoa. What we just mix you? up this show Middle in crazy ways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pyre. I'll start with the the slow, the quick ones, and then move into the one I actually want to talk about for a longer time. Uh, However, you want don't to do play Leighton Mystery Journey. Oh, okay. So now we're talking about Leighton Mystery Journey. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I, I realized Pyre would be longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. This is my first Leighton game, so you know, and everyone loves them. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. I'm I'm really excited for some cool mysteries. Uh, I g- got a code before it came out, and then when it came out, it deleted my save. So I had to start over. Uh, so that sucked. Um, and then uh, the puzzles. So the mysteries, the overarching mysteries, you don't have any, you don't do anything. They just happen. It's a story. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. Stories are fine. Uh, but the puzzles. Well, it should be said that in the other latent games, there is. You have to solve something, right? You have to solve one big thing. It's not episodic the way latent mystery journey is. Where okay. Each episode is its own case. You're kind of solving one central thing it's, but does it's it com- solve itself or do you actually have to say like i think it's this guy uh well with Leighton, it's, it's it's kind of about puzzles and so you okay, solve yeah. a puzzle you get the thing and right. then they piece it together so about the puzzles sure uh i was consistently annoyed because the wording of many of the puzzles was so it's kind of specious mm-hmm. and like 
there are a couple of puzzles where logically two or more answers are viable and mm -hmm. are correct, but it only wants the one that it wants. Are you specifically talking about the puzzles where it's the, the kind of a what do they what do they call those puzzles? They're, they're it's almost like a riddle. And yeah, you have to pick puzzles. the right answer. They're but like you're... they're like lateral thinking puzzles, which right, I generally think it. are that's like kind of dumb. But like these are like. Uh, I mean, I can't remember a specific example, but like this happened a couple of times where I was like, oh, like there are these siblings or whatever, and I was like, okay, but like logically, you could be this age, this age, or this age, uh -huh. but they want this age, and I put in the other one, and I'm like, no, that works. You just don't want that answer. I see. And it was like it was irritating because it was like I felt like smarter than the puzzles sometimes, where it's like in a puzzle game you expect to be like tricked you know mm -hmm. and so you read the things really carefully and you're like okay this makes sense a quick anecdote where i was overthinking something in real life when i came to la and took the la driver's test to get my california license there's a question on the test that says true or false motorcyclists have the same responsibilities as automobile drivers something to that effect but it was mm -hmm. the same the, the wording is true or false it's the same and I said false because in California they can legally lane split, which cars cannot do, so they have more responsibilities. Thus, not the same. Right? Okay. Clearly I was overthinking the California driver's test. Yes. Right? But, like, you get into that situation all the time in this game where the wording is such that what they're looking for is, like, the simpler version of what is actually there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're overthinking them, which you should be because they're riddles, you're going to get the wrong answer because you're, mm -hmm. like, too smart. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, really annoying. Now, I'm not saying I'm, like, some smart guy or whatever, but, like, yeah. uh, it's just I got continually irked by the puzzles, so I was feeling really annoyed. How this far game. into the game did you get? Uh, in my first playthrough, I got, like, halfway through the second case. Okay. Um, so I did, like, I don't know, eight or ten puzzles or more than that maybe um and some of them are like some of them are and like yeah it's lateral thinking so it's like one of the puzzles spoiler if you don't want to be spoiled on this puzzle but it was like it's like this clock says 3 30 it'd be nice if it said midnight mm -hmm. how many times do you have to touch the clock to get it to say midnight mm -hmm. and i was like and i was thinking like okay there's a winder next to it right. so you only have to touch the winder so I, I went through this exact same thought process right, with this puzzle. Right. And I'm like, okay, so one, because you touch the winder, mm -hmm. and then you wind it. And and then they're like, no, wrong. And I'm like, okay, so they're not considering the winder as part of the clock. That's fine. Right. So I say zero, because mm -hmm. you can wind it with the winder, which is not part of the clock. Okay, fine, zero. But then the answer they explain it Two. with afterwards is zero, zero okay. because you just wait for it to be midnight. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is just stupid. Done. And, like, pretty much every puzzle is like Done. That. So you got farther than I did. I just got through the first chapter, and uh, I agree those lateral thinking puzzles kind of got to me. I kind of went through the same process where they're they're talking about, like, the color of the sky in this circumstance, and I mm -hmm. felt like I kind of sorted out the correct answer. But it's just frustrating when you can't talk to somebody about it. You can't right, explain right. where you're coming from, and then they give their answer, and it's like, well, that's technically correct, but what if you look at it from this way? It's right. just so rigid. Th that Sky one is, yeah, really stupid, because it's like, any of those answers could be correct, depending on how you're thinking of how they're right. wording it. Right, and, and they, but they want so much because it's nighttime or whatever. It. Right, and it's like, and the hints are, like, stupid, too. Like, I did some hints on one of the puzzles, 
And every single hint I'd already figured out. I was like, yeah, I know all of this. I just don't know what you want from me. Because your sure. wording is so bad. Oh, uh, man. Outside of the lateral thinking puzzles, how did you feel about the quality of the puzzles? Were, was it really just those driving you crazy? Or did you not really care for the other ones as well? Uh, I mean, the other ones were just little mini games or like little things. So like generally I was, I was, I was lukewarm on all the puzzles. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I actually liked. Uh, I mean the very first puzzle you have to make a K and like immediately I was like, okay, it's a negative space thing. Cause that's the only thing you could do with these triangles. Mm-hmm. But so I put them there, but they weren't like exactly perfect enough. Mm-hmm. So it didn't take it. And even in the thing, it's like, be very precise. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. Like, there, there. And it was like literally like a pixel to the left, and it didn't take it. Do you think so some like, of okay, that is, is because not? you're playing on a phone? Maybe. Um, maybe. Okay. Because, yeah, like if it was a 3DS and they were like snapping or something, that would be. But like, I don't know. Yeah. I did like, I liked the stories. I liked the the characterizations. I liked the... um voice acting and stuff the the anime cutscenes were really cool yeah it's the a, the character models game. yeah it's a very good looking game the character models on non-main characters are definitely a little more simplistic but sure. i'm like whatever there's a lot of characters in this game yeah. that makes sense um yeah and it's like it's it's a real bummer because i was i was playing it and i was like man i really want to love this yeah i really want to love this it's so delightful i kind of went through the same thing and i'm hesitant to be too condemning because i've only played through the first case but uh, I, too, really liked the characters and the vibe of it. I enjoyed them interacting and then yeah. doing little cute jokes to each other. But even the storytelling in that first case uh, was kind of right. disappointing to me. Because you're kind of just like, what? The way that it wrapped up, like, it's it's an effective setup for a mystery, yeah. right? It's, it's, and like, it, it was, it's believable, it was... but kind of ridiculous. But the way that they resolve it just feels... And it was told well so. enough that I like figured it out before they dropped the bomb. You know, yeah. it's like okay, clearly this is this is what's happening, and then, and then that turned out to be true. But then like, yeah, the resolution of it was so weird. It's like I'm like, I'm like, wait, so are these guys in trouble? Are they not in trouble? Is this was any law actually broken? Like, what's actually right. happening here? Not only was the the twist, I felt like maybe trying to be a little bit too clever in, yeah. in not a convincing way. It didn't it didn't back up what it was doing very well. But yeah, the the fallout from it. Right. Everybody was just kind of okay with everything and right. there wasn't there wasn't much of a climax. Yeah. And so like that put a sour taste in my mouth too, because I was like, okay, so we're not dealing with anything that has any stakes. Mm-hmm. And like even if it's cutesy, like and the next the next case deals with maybe a murder, but mm-hmm. like you know, which is a lot heavier than a missing clock hand, but like uh you know, even if it's jokey, like, I want it to have resonance within the world that you're telling the story in, Right. you know? Mm. And that's, t- talking about that, that's why I'm a little bit hesitant, because I don't know what the remaining cases right, look like. Right, like, maybe right, Yeah, I don't want to condemn the game up. out of hand, but, right. like, I was very frustrated playing this game. Sure. Uh, Huber, what's your experience with Layton? Uh, I finished the first one when it came out. Absolutely loved the franchise. Nice. When first hit. What did you like about it? Uh, the vibe, the aesthetic, looked really cool. Um, I had a DS at the time, like when it first came out, so I didn't have too many DS games. Uh, so it, you know, filled the void of like, oh, I have this new piece of hardware, like I'm gonna grab one of these games. Got the first one, absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, something to just play with, like my girlfriend at the time and my mom, and you know, like a game mm-hmm. you can show to people that aren't necessarily into video games. Right. Uh, then I got the second one and got like a little bit into it, but fell off and have. Never gone back to it, but always yeah. wanted to, always meant to. Uh, there was a time when I was, like, really actively going to try to go back into it, and then I, mm-hmm. there were, I looked, and there were so many of them, and 
new yeah. characters and new like trilogies and sure. I've heard the Phoenix Wright crossover one is really good. Yeah, uh, I reviewed. I think that, that was one. the time when I wanted to go back. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, this yeah, crossover, yeah, yeah. like, oh, I want to go get back because I've this, never but... played one of those either. Right. Yeah, the crossover is really good. I I actually found the the central mystery of the crossover pretty good, and the way that um. those characters, like, to me, the best part of Phoenix Wright and the best part of Layton is those characters and seeing mm-hmm. them interact was pretty awesome for sure. My yeah, direct, it's cool. My direct comparison too to this game maybe isn't fair because I was. In my mind, I was thinking it was going to be like the Zero Escape game. So I was like oh. comparing it with Virtue's Last Reward, which is like mm-hmm. really thoughtful and really deep and really dark. And the puzzles are thoughtful and generally pretty like logical. Sure. Um, which I prefer, I guess. And yeah, they're not the same. Okay. <laughs> um, Kingdoms and Castles. Kingdoms and Castles. Uh, really like this game. It's very cute. Pretty simple little sim town medieval Love that. Yeah. Uh, Vikings are constantly yes. attacking. It's Vikings and dragons that are just constantly attacking you. <laughs> attacking um, you. So you're like, yeah. get out of here, Vikings. Yeah, they're just little, like, they're AI waves that show up every so often to, like, test your defenses. And, like, they escalate in a way hmm. where at first it was, like, one ship of Vikings. And, like, if the first couple of times the dragon came by, it didn't attack. I'm playing on, like, the middle difficulty, like, normal, mm-hmm. um, I guess, whatever. Um and and I was like, all right, I'm I'm okay. So it's I built PC. like yeah, I built like a few little towers. Um, I'm unsure if it's on Mac or Linux, but it might be. On, I got it through Steam. Cool. You can get it on Humble or G- uh, GOG maybe also. Um, but it has a cute little blocky aesthetic, and like you get plague doctors, and you can get like all this stuff. And 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 I and there aren't like cheat codes or anything, so you're like kind of beholden to doing it the right way you know so like i started out and like all my peasants were starving to death all the time and i'm like okay okay so i like shut down the quarry so that people would actually make food and i'm like okay and then it balances Mm -hmm. out and you learn to grow your town and now i have a i have a city that has i've got at least one of everything so i'm like maxed out but i i started building my thing on an island um which i thought would be secure but no because the vikings come on boats and dragons fly so it's like they just come and like ogres will come with the vikings and they'll come and Whoa. just like burn down all your buildings cool. like i was i was building this whole new part of my town with a bunch of mansions and like wells and hospital and a church and libraries and everything they want and an ogre came through and just literally destroyed all of it oh. and i was just like no so then i started like you know upping my defenses a lot because like yeah. yeah you'll you'll see like seven viking ships coming in and you're just like oh god how old is this game it just came out like oh, uh, it just came out like I don't know a couple of weeks ago. Really cool. Um, yeah, I think June or July, whatever. But um, it's very cute, very fun, simple. Uh, you know, so like, so you uh, keep saying uh, that it's cute. What is the art style like? It's it's got a kind of a uh, blocky, low poly kind of vibe to it. They're little okay. uh, little guys going around, little meeple or whatever you want to call them, kind of going around. You can you can zoom way in. And get like down on their level with them, and you'll see their little oh, like <laughs> the little the little uh, plague doctors are really cool looking. Uh-huh. They have little black hats and a little white snout, you know, and little robes, yeah. and then they just kind of like trundle about. Um, yeah, and like so, I, I have a little island uh, thing, and so I don't have walls. Um, I just have a bunch of towers to defend everything, so the Vikings can just come right in and blow stuff up. Basically, like they burn everything down, like and then they do. Yeah, and then the little people will go to a well and like start spraying water on stuff to try to like put it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty wonderful. And um, but uh, now I've got like this system of bridges going everywhere to like connect Whoa. my my islands together. Yeah, and it just gets really really cool. It's it's I don't know. I I really enjoy it. <laughs> Um, but it's, I, I hope that they add more content to it. It's made by, I, I can't remember their names, but one of them worked on Abzu, I think. Oh, cool. And like one of them worked on something else that you've heard of. Yeah. Is um, it early access? 
I think it's out out. Oh, okay. But what I, I hope is that my hope is that they add things to it. Yeah. Going forward, because I I really like it, and I think this kind of game is really good. With it sounds really intense, but like not too stressful. Right. <laughs> and especially there there's a difficulty that's a little a little easier that I think Vikings and Dragons will still come, but mm-hmm. they're like not. Not a problem, yeah. uh, and even in this middle difficulty, like they'll come and they'll destroy an entire half of my city, mm-hmm. or like not a half, but like a, maybe a fifth, you know. Yeah. Um, but I have things set up such that I have enough resources right now that I can basically just rebuild every time that happens. Nice. Um, and I'm just slowly building walls out to try to keep them out, you know. Take that, ogres. I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely it was my first city, so like now knowing how the game plays better. I would start on land and I would build walls as I went, you know, yeah. like keep things sanctioned off and, and more like a castle. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. I like it a lot. It's very fun. I feel like with any game like that where you have to build something and then watch it come under some sort of attack, uh, the true test of that being like a good game is when you make a bunch of mistakes, mm-hmm. you get wiped out, and you're like, oh, okay, I clearly see how I can improve for next time, right. and I want to do it again. And right. it sounds like that's exactly where you are with this yeah, game. Yeah, I'm definitely like the next... Research. Sure. The next, the next time I do a, a kingdom, I'm definitely... Yeah, I'll start it way differently. Mm-hmm. I want to be by trees. I want to be by on land. I want to be here and there and not like... Because I started on a very small landmass, and I okay. very quickly outgrew myself. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's really cool. How did you find out about this? Uh, I honestly think I was just, like, clicking through Steam, and it recommended it, and I saw that it was new. Uh, and I was like, ah, and it was $10 or something. It was, like, a little on sale, so I just picked it up. Nice. You uh, just took a chance on it. Yeah, yeah, I just picked it up. I, um, I think I looked into it a little bit. I watched, like, the trailer, mm-hmm. um, and it has, like... It has some like simulation stuff where the trees will regrow and clouds are simulated and stuff, and it felt like a cool little world. And I I love one of my favorite games, um, kind of <laughs> sadly because the the sequels have all been really really bad. But um, I I grew up playing a lot of Stronghold games. Yeah. And I just love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've bought I've purchased every single one, <laughs> and I just don't learn because two and three are really bad, and uh, Crusader HD was not very or Crusader two wasn't very good. But man, Stronghold one and Stronghold Crusader are just so good. Cool. And uh, they've got HD versions that were also recently on sale, so I bought those again for like the hundredth time. Mm. Um, and so I'm always looking. I'm always looking for another game like that that'll okay. feel like that, where it's like you're building a castle. And it sounds like this is definitely scratching that itch. It scratches that itch in a simplistic way. Nice. It's definitely not as in-depth, but it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So what's the big one? Big one, Pyre. Pyre. I was waiting I'm for you so to come jealous back. that you guys have played this game. I want to play it so bad. That's why it's, I did research right before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, pretty amazing. It is a weird game. Like, it's a visual novel. Unique. They kind of make weird games. Yeah, it's a visual novel meets, like, a Banner Saga-style, like, branching narrative path kind of deal. And then, like, a weird, like, magic basketball game. Mm-hmm. All and right. no game over screens. Yeah. Tell me if about you this lose, magic, it keeps going. Tell me about this magic basketball game. Yeah, so it's called a right, and there are pyres on either side of the the board, I guess, the mm-hmm. map, um, and you're kind of competing in these rights to become unexiled to get your freedom back. Everyone's been like kicked out of somewhere into this weird, uh, what is it called? The, the downside. The downside. Uh, I don't really know what that means or what. The, uh, there's very mysterious 
stuff happening. The mm-hmm. story is very intricate and it seems really mysterious. Um, but you, it's three v three, um, and you have various different kind of character classes. There's like a, a a cur, which is basically a dog that's really fast. And um, well, basically, what you have to do is get this orb into the enemy pyre, and you can throw it in. And then you won't disappear for a little while, or you can jump in with it, and then that character disappears for like a round or a little while, a little timed thing. And so the the goal is to get the orb into the enemy pyre, and it has like a hundred hit points. And each time it, if you throw it, it takes away a few. If you dive in, it takes away more, but you lose that character for a second. So it kind of balances it that way. And curs are little dogs; they're fast, but they don't do as much damage to the pyre. Okay. Demons are huge and really slow, and they do a lot of damage to the pyre. Um, I don't know the name of the just normal. Yeah, I forget the name of the normal humans. Yeah, um, just person, whatever. He has a name. Uh, Hedwin. Hedwin is the the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like normal. He's got a medium speed and does medium damage to the pyre. Uh, and then there's a couple other little characters that do different, and they have different abilities and they can do different things. Mm-hmm. And you can like zap your aura at people to make them vanish and stuff. And it's very bizarre. And at first, the control scheme of the mouse is very weird and not good. Mm. And so then I switched to Wazda and a mouse, and that was okay. But controller is the way to go. Yeah. Mm. Like, controller all the way. Um, but yeah, it's... it's what what uh, causes the funkiness with the mouse and keyboard, and why did you prefer the controller? The mouse was really weird because you had to, like, click on different people to change and then, like, click where they wanted to go. And you can only control one person at a time, so it's really weird. I see. Um, the controller is just because you can direct control them and it just mm-hmm. feels better. Waz is and it sounds like switching between characters is easier on the controller as well. Yeah. Normally, I don't switch that often, which I probably should because mm. uh, I usually just try to get them in the pyre and then go. Have you lost one yet? I haven't lost one. No. Okay, yeah. So I think they start you out pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, they get some get pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, some of them get pretty crazy. Like I've had a couple of close calls, but yeah. I've always come out ahead. And I just unlocked practice nice. um, sessions. Are you past that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I reviewed so. it, so I finished. Oh, it. you finished it. Okay. Yeah. So I just got to the part where you can you unlock practice ones. And I did one. They're like player or character specific rights, I guess that that give them a little bonus gift. Cool. Um, so I've done one of those. Nice. Um, and I almost lost that one. I had like five hit points on my pyre left, which yeah, is like real, real bad. Um, but yeah, it's and the look and the feel and the music is so good. Super giant, some of the best art. Oh my god, yeah. In yeah. the biz, yeah. Uh, you mentioned something that kind of caught my interest. You mentioned that it's part visual novel. When somebody says something is part visual novel, they don't just mean characters are talking to each other. They mean characters like they only say this is kind of like a visual novel if they're talking to each other a lot. Yeah, it's it's if you're not playing. The rights. It is a visual novel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, except for there are a few times where you like move to a place, but you don't actually move your carriage. You're in this wagon. You click on a thing, and then it moves itself mm-hmm. in a kind of a funny animated little way um, through this beautiful, colorful world. So, it's amazing. So beautiful. My, my new laptop that I just got has a 4K screen. Yeah. Playing this game in 4K is bonkers. Just pops. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, but with a pyre like flame. Oh yeah, moves. it's a beautiful, beautiful game. Hashtag must be nice. I know, right? <laughs> I have a 4K TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the visual novel stuff is really cool because, like, some words will be highlighted. Yeah, I love it. And you can highlight over the word oh. and it'll give you some, like, lore about it. It's nice. so cool. Mm-hmm. I need to I need to ape that. And then some, cool. some parts, too, you can choose what to say and that'll yeah. have different effects on the party's perception or, like, stat bonuses even if you say something different. It's and the little things. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. But it's, like, straight-up visual novel. Like, the mm-hmm. character that you're talking to is... 
a 2D cutout and they're standing there. Okay. And like they occasionally animate, but otherwise they're just kind of sitting there breathing. Supergiant is definitely known for the clever ways in which he uses narration. Is there any sort of narrator in Pyre? There's a there's a character called the Voice or just Voice, mm-hmm. which at first I didn't think was actually extant in the world, but mm-hmm. it is. Like other characters have referred to the Voice. Yeah. And they kind of don't like him. Mm. <laughs> they're kind of like that. That that joker up there, you know. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you guys know about him? Okay. Um, it's I, I really like games that make you a part of the story. Mm-hmm. So like they have a reason to be talking to you. Mm-hmm. Also, a cool little tidbit that I liked uh, was that the game assumes from the beginning that you're female, mm. and it says like. It's like, he's assuming that you're female. Do you want to correct him on this? Uh, and then if you, if you don't, you're just a female? Yeah. Unless that's randomized, I don't know. That might be randomized, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you start oh. as male? I think so. Oh, okay. I think. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a cool way to do that, just yeah. have it be random. And like he, he's assuming this. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah, I that's thought cool. that was a cool way to do that. Um, and it didn't, like, break the the vibe, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, like, Supergiant oozes style mm-hmm. just always um like bastion and everything and like transistor kind of rubbed me the wrong way just because like the dynamic between the the male sword character and the female character kind of just bothered me for some reason but like that mm. game is visually incredible yeah um with both bastion and transistor uh you are sort of unraveling this mystery and, and figuring out what's going on is kind of a big cause for moving forward uh do, do you how is the storytelling here? Is that really the hook in the same way it was for those other two games? Or I'm really enjoying it so far. Okay. What what specifically are you enjoying about it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the mystery of it. Um, the the world building and the lore, like, it is... Cl- I love it when you're dropped into a world that is a world already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a Blade Runner, William Gibson style kind of yeah. deal. It's it not exists. cyberpunk, really, but it's just like, yeah. this exists, here's how it is. We'll occasionally explain something to you if, we, if you really need to get it. But yeah. also, I think that's an elegant way for those highlight words. Totally. That's such an elegant way okay, to do so that. That's where you're very, getting a lot of the additional because, context. Yeah, the very beginning of the game is like, yo, you're a reader. Like, you can read. Can you read this? And yeah. you're like, what? Like, Literacy read? is banned. Yeah. So, like, you highlight over it. And it's like, yo, books have been banned. Like, if, they, if you, people even know you can read, it's bad. Like, yeah. yeah. So, it's cool. And, like... The highlighting over the word words, it's like it's a video gamey thing where it like you know, obviously it's a little bizarre, but it the way that everything works and the way that books work and stuff, it actually kind of feels like it's part of this world too. And highlighting over them, it it's it says sometimes in kind of a tongue in cheek way, it'll say what it is, and then it has like Magic the Gathering like style flavor text under it too, like a quote or something. Yeah, um, about it. So it's just like you get three ways of world building. You get the story that they're telling. You get these highlight words that then explain themselves and have additional flavor text of like a quote of something you have no idea who it is. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's really cool. I like that a lot. Um, but it is definitely a visual novel with a basketball game in it. <laughs> uh, or soccer. I don't know. It's kind of both football it's, soccer, yeah it's basketball. like every sport put together yeah. okay but because the big thing is know. you can only tr- control one at a time there's three yeah. of you and uh, when you pick up the orb like your aura goes away okay so that aura is the one that can like if if they touch your aura it like, banishes them yeah. so it's like picking it up and it disappears then you're vulnerable so like passing around helps with that and can you switch instantaneously yeah. at any time yeah okay you and can, you can, you can pass. switch and you can pass. Okay. Um, and like, I could see this game. I could see someone being like, 
so good at this. So yeah, and like I'm really just excited. destroying at yeah. it. I'm excited to play local because yeah. the fast people are so good, so fast, so fast, and so good at zipping through and nailing it in the pyre. Yeah, but the the balance is that like the really giant slow people have a huge, huge aura. aura, so like they'll win that trade off every single time, like yeah. because of the giant aura. But it's like. The fast people can zip around so much, and like, you and know. you've got stamina, so like you have to yeah. manage that, and you can jump. So like, mm-hmm. the coolest stuff is when you jump over a bad guy's aura into the pyre, mm-hmm. and I think you even get a bonus for doing you that. Feel so badass, but it's like you're like, oh my god, I'm so cool. Sure, uh, you were saying <laughs> kind of that at least early on the matches you hadn't lost, uh, but you reviewed the game, Huber, and mm-hmm. you did some multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, how did those matches play out? Were they pretty intense? Were they lopsided? Some of them are pretty intense, but again, uh, like for reviews, I play on normal. Yeah. Uh, there are multiple difficulties. Sure. Normal's pretty easy, but like Bastion, and I'm pretty sure like Transistor, this isn't a spoiler, by the way, it's not. But I mean, I've, you, I've beaten Transistor. No, no, no. For, I mean, for, yeah. There, you, can, uh, you can increase the difficulty and increase rewards later on. Mm. It'll be like, do you want to uh, make it harder, but you get more stuff? So it's sure. like Diablo. Yeah. Like cool. I know for I'm pretty pretty sure Transistor had that. I know Bastion did, where it's like you know, extra difficulty, but you get extra experience. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool uh, with that. Roughly, how long did it take you to get through Pyre? It's less than ten hours, but less a little yeah, a little longer than I thought. I thought it's it'd their be, longest game. Yeah, I thought it'd be. Claimed. I thought it'd be really quick, but it's. I feel like it's around eight. And apparently, it has a lot of replayability because mm-hmm. everything you do changes the storyline. Oh, this game stresses me out because I'm curious how it changes the storyline. Yeah, line. I wonder. Well, because losing will change things. And you change said you things. never lost. I see. Interesting. I, I never lost. Nice. Whoa. But at the same time, I was smart with those, those like things to get extra ex- experience. Like for some more stressful fights, I was like, I'm not going to put any of these on. Right, like I, I feel a challenge coming. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like I feel yeah. a, I feel a harder fight coming. Like right. I'm not even gonna put any of these on. So I was really smart with that because I like, that's good. Wanted to win. Because yeah, but like apparently you can't. <laughs> there's no game over, like he said. So like mm-hmm. if you lose a round, it the just changes goes. the story. Yeah, yeah. that's so it's really like you've cool. lost that. Yeah, and like there, I've seen a few incl- like parts of this too because I was saying this game stresses me out because you have to because you only have three people and very quickly you get more than three teammates. So you have to choose who to take on these rights, and like characters will like throw shade at you for not picking them, mm-hmm. especially Jodriel. Uh, Jodariel. Jodariel, the yeah. the big, she's amazing. She's a big demon, yes. but she's so slow, and I like fast people, so yeah. like I don't pick her usually. Yeah. And the first time she was like angry with me for yeah. not picking her, yes. but because we won, she was like. But it turned out all right, so it's okay. That is really But I'm cool. just like, I know that if I had lost, she would yeah. be pissed at me forever. Yeah. Should have mm-hmm. picked me. I know, yeah. She, she'd probably never let me forget it. Yeah. There's this like downtime in between stuff in the wagon, and like mm-hmm. sometimes people will be in the wagon, and you can talk to them. Yeah. There's cool. little things in the wagon that you can interact with. Yeah, just the bits of characterization yeah. that they put in. That's so cool. Yeah. I want more games to get upset with me when I don't yeah. pick certain people. I want yeah. that choice to be my And then own. there's that like meta game stuff where it's like, you know, you can level people up and... They get different skills, and there's, like, a shop you can buy things. But you can't get all the skills for a character, right? Yeah, you, you can, can only, only get four? Yeah, you can only get four and equip four. Okay. Yeah. Can you get all of them and then I don't equip so. four, or can no. you only get four? You can only get four. Well, okay, that's yeah, stressful. Because yeah. there you, are eight to choose from. Because you can only level up four times. Right, okay. So you start at one and five is the max for all every right, character. All right, all right. So, Huber, you've played through Bastion, Transistor, and yeah. Pyre now, right? Uh, yep. If you had to, how would you kind of stack them uh, on top of each other? 
I know they're all so different. I love Bastion so much. Sebastian still might be my favorite, but mm. uh, Pyre definitely a very, very close second. Okay. And then uh, Transistor a little below that. And I love Transistor too. Yeah. You know, I, lo- I adore all of their games. Cool. Uh, this is a studio, like, like I follow directories, I follow studios, you know, yeah. I love Ninja Theory and Don't Nod. It's like when they do something, I'm watching and waiting and paying attention. So. Cool. Yeah. Pyre is my favorite for sure so far. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. By, by a pretty wide margin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I played Bastion a little. I didn't beat it, uh, but I've beaten Transistor. Mm-hmm. It's that yeah. thing of like Pyre might actually be their best game, but Bastion was maybe my favorite. Mm. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. again, I haven't played Bastion since it came out. Yeah, um, I'd be, I'm eager to kind of go back and, and play mm. through it again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just I love that style of of play and the yeah. like Ron Perlman narration. Even though yeah. it's not it's yeah, not yeah, yeah, Ron yeah. Perlman, but it sounds like him so yeah. much. <laughs> How cool is it though that I mean I haven't played Pyre yet. I so desperately want to because I love Transistor and I love Bastion. But you know this the small independent studio making these absolutely stunning games, and they're all not just like kind mm-hmm. of different from each other, yeah. dramatically different yeah. uh, in terms of similar like tone and aesthetic, yeah, the aesthetic, but yeah. narration, yeah, 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 very, very, very. Separate. And it was cool to see them branch out and do a party. Rather than yeah. a singular character, yeah. that was such a big thing for me. Was yeah, because yeah, you're you're your character, you're yeah. a character, and then these people are other people mm-hmm. that you are interacting with. Yeah, so it's it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they, that studio just strikes me as a bunch of incredibly talented people that have a lot of good ideas. And the music, dude. Yeah, I was I wanted to ask about that. And I'm like the music. I mean, the music, uh, I am very familiar with the old Garage Band loops, and like yeah. some of them were in Bastion for sure, uh, which I found very funny. Not not throwing shade. It's just that's they were there, um, and uh, and they're royalty free. So what like, is, why not? What do you mean for those who don't understand? There that was sentence. an old. There was an old. I mean, I think it's still around. GarageBand uh, mm-hmm. was a program on Mac yeah. Yeah. that you could make music with. And in college, I used to make music all the time. My friend has a band in Chicago called Terrible Spaceship, and like he used GarageBand to compose like early versions of his songs, and they play. They play along with like old movies and stuff. It's really they're amazing. If you're in the Chicago area, go see a terrible spaceship show. They're awesome. But um so I'm like really familiar with all garage band loops and like they for a while they were popping up all around. Like they would Whoa. pop up in like Mythbusters a lot. They would pop up in Bast the Bastion soundtrack. They would pop up in other stuff cuz they're royalty free. So you you could use them. Um so it's just really funny that I noticed that and like the Bastion soundtrack was awesome. Yeah. And the Pyre soundtrack is just incredible mm. and like very well orchestrated. And I, it seems like they're recording real instruments. I don't know that for sure, but it sounds like it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of synth and stuff too. Um, but oh my god, it's so good. And like the way it dynamically works in the game is so good. Like you'll finish, you'll finish a right, and timed to the end of the the right, the narration and the music all kind of just land at the same time, and it's so good. And it's just however they, whatever they're doing to time that out mm-hmm. is so well executed. I mean, I guess you just wait for the next measure and then hit it. But like, oh man, it's nice. so effective. Yeah, I, I just drive around listening to the soundtrack. Although I only listen to the front part because I don't want to hear songs that I haven't con- gotten to in the game yet. <laughs> so yeah. I hope I have a chance to play it soon. Oh you man. Will. Yeah. Huber. Yo. What have you been playing? Uh, Only one game. If I'm not reviewing something, I'm playing Persona 5. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's happening. It's happening. You're getting close to the end. I'm super far. Yeah. I'm close to 70 hours now. Okay. Very, very far. Mm hmm I don't want this game to end. Why don't you want it to end? Because it's so good! Okay. It keeps getting better and better. Huber, you played all of Persona 4. Yes. You love Persona 4. Yes. You're you're getting close to the end of Persona 5. I don't want it to end. And you don't want it to end. No. <laughs> What's different? What makes this a good one? Well, I mean, Persona 4, I played it on a handheld, you know? And it was like an older game by the time it came out on Vita. So, like, I know this is, this is, this is cross-gen. It's still, like, on PS3. It's not the best looking game of all time, but... But you're feeling the bump. Feeling the bump. Feeling yeah. the bump, for uh -huh. sure. Uh, and... Oh, my God. The combat and the dungeons, first of all, are vastly superior mm -hmm. to Persona 4. Uh, like, Persona 4 dungeons were a couple hallways, you know, really just hard angles, like 90 degree angles. Right, it... In Persona 4, and now, like... They like, didn't feel like unique places. It totally. felt like the same thing rearranged with, just, with a different coat of paint. Exactly. Yeah. And now these feel so unique. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. it's not maybe a spoiler. I don't know. Can I say the theme of the one I'm on right now? Just the theme of it? Um, I think you can. I just want to... There are some people that are yeah. very sensitive, and I totally yeah, understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you are still working through Persona 5, or you intend to play it at some point in the future, yeah. uh, we're going to... I'm going to avoid we're not spoilers gonna do, as much as possible. Yeah, we're not going to do major story spoilers, yeah. but uh, we are going to be talking about the game and some, yeah. some aesthetic things and gameplay things and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, light spoiler warning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm at the casino. Okay. Uh, and it's just so much different than the other ones, like the whole gambling mechanic and yeah. like trying to do that and, and just the layout. Right. Yeah. It's you're, you're like jumping across things. Yeah. You're climbing, you're going and vents and all this stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah, there was like the, the, the maze in the dark yeah. was so cool. Mm -hmm. Just little different mechanics to switch it up and, and make each dungeon feel like their own thing. Yeah. Um, each of these dungeons, there's kind of a, a build up the dungeon itself and then kind of a resolution. Do you feel like all of them are, are a good length? Did any of them drag for you at all? No. Okay. No. No. This game's perfect. No. I'm obsessed, <laughs> dude. I don't want it to end. I'm not even kidding. Okay. I keep having like visions and dreams of like when this game ends, like I'm going to feel empty because it's over and I won't be able to play it anymore. Mm. Like a week will go by when I'm doing something else and I won't be able to play it. But just knowing that it's there, like, existing, and I'm still in it, and I get to play it, is, like, comforting, you know? Yeah. I'm, like, so attached now. I'm, I'm just knee-deep in this game. Uh, also, the exploration I really like of uh -huh. just the day-to-day. -day. Like, again, Persona 4 mm -hmm. kind of felt restrictive with the, like, being able to go to different places. And just everything feels smoother. Like, yeah. you know, hanging out with someone or going to Shinjuku or Akihabara or, you know, just there's so many locations and I feel like I'm more free to explore and, and hang out with different people. So do you feel like because it's a, a bigger scope, I mean, you're going from this small town to this big city in Persona mm -hmm. 5, yeah. uh, that... That, that, that what you're exploring is meaningful. How do you feel about the confidants? Uh, do you feel like those yeah. storylines are interesting in yes. the same way that they were to you in Persona 4? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are there any in particular that you like? Sojiro, obviously. Okay. Who's Sojiro? The, your caretaker. Uh-huh. Uh, so you, at the very beginning of the game, you have uh, like a, 
a, a uh, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? An altercation, I guess. Oh, like a oh yeah, like a, a uh, not polit not you political, have a legal, a legal, legal, yeah, legal, legal, legal problems, and yeah. you basically get sent off to live with Sojiro, who knew your parents. So you're kind of staying with him, and you know, at first he's kind of cold. He's like, "Yo, you better not cause me any problems." Yeah. Like a real grump, real yeah. grump. And over time, obviously, you know, you get closer, and some other things happen, kind of in between that, that make him even more interesting. That are, yeah, so, yeah. Again, I won't want to avoid. But you're invested. In spoilers, yeah. Uh, you were talking about Persona 5, and you brought up the, how different the dungeons were, but you also mm -hmm. mentioned the combat. Yeah. Um, and you were really enjoying that There's as well. so much going on with that combat. Okay. The guns are a really cool mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, the critical strikes, like your team all of a sudden just coming in and doing a critical strike. Uh, the baton pass. Was the baton pass in Persona 4? No. Love the baton pass. Mm -hmm. And just... <laughs> Yeah, there, there's so many more layers to combat, I feel like, than the simple, you know, attack or persona magic. Yeah. You know, there's so many more layers on top. Definitely. I mean, fundamentally, it's still the same. I mean, yeah. you want to target enemy weaknesses, knock yeah. them all down, do an all-out attack. I mean, that's mm -hmm. still a good thing to do. But, yeah, you just have so many more options, yeah. uh, as you're describing with these new yeah. mechanics. And Ryuji, like, one of my favorite video game characters all, of all time. Yeah. Like, I like him way more than I liked Yusuke. I loved Yusuke, mm -hmm. but Ryuji, like, really feels like a best friend. That, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so attached to him. Uh, and, you know, it, it still has that familiarity with, like, the school trips and hanging out, but... Just the story. I'm so much more into the story of it's kind of like Death Note vibes of like people mysteriously dying and and investigating and heists. Like you know, it, yeah, it's it's playing on things I love so much. Okay, so like, not only are you just pulling heists, but you're pulling heists to like change people for good. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just touching on all these themes and it's like so i get so emotionally invested into each dungeon because each dungeon is a different theme and a different problem that plagues society like this game is speaking it's saying a lot for society as a whole but it also captures the one-on-one -on -one, like intimate connection between people it's just unbelievable nice like i like writing I, I liked what you said about the creator of this game, uh, someone was like, hey, yo, like, aren't video games supposed to be kind of escapist? Like, this is so real. It's, yeah. like, super intense. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I mean, what better escape is there than to defeat problems in a game that you yeah. have no control over in real life? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't I change the hearts of evil people in real life. Yeah. I don't you remember this game. saying this. You told me yeah. about this. Yeah, Did it was I? like the quote of the creator. You know? Oh. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's a really this. salient point. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought I wouldn't like it, but I love the fact that you're being interrogated mm. because I know at a point it's going to sink. Like, I'm getting so close to the moment when that sinks up and then I will be in present day. Like, that yeah. payoff. I'm waiting for that. Like, I, sometimes I don't really like when it's like, yo, this is going to happen, but three weeks earlier. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, now I'm kind of just like going through to get there. Checked out a little. But like, each time you meet a new persona and then it goes to the interrogation and it's like, yo, you obviously had someone who was good at speaking. You know, you clearly were like someone was pulling the strings, blah, blah, blah. It's like the way that all syncs up and I'm getting closer to that is so cool. There's such a mystery 
going on that I still am like 70 hours into this game and I don't know the you know you know what I'm talking about there's like yeah. a, there's a mystery happening and I don't know yet how that's going to factor in so it sounds to me uh like it's just a, cons- consistently engaging a on lot of, so many levels a lot of your favorite parts are mm-hmm. all the ways in which it is different or evolves things that you saw in Persona 4 yeah. uh, how do you feel about mementos cuz i would argue that that is the most like conventional yeah part of or one of the most conventional parts it is it feels it kind of feels like an obligation doing those parts uh and sorry just to explain it real quick for those mm-hmm. who don't know uh, so we were talking before about how it the you had these very simplified layouts um yeah. for dungeons and past games and that's true here where you're going into this randomized mm-hmm. like procedurally generated like kind of connected rectangle sort of dungeon yeah that kind of vibe um and it, this is where you do a lot of the side quests. Yeah. It's got it, some hills in it. It feels... Yeah, it's not exactly the same, but... <laughs> yeah. uh, sometimes it feels like a chore going through. I don't really like the music in the mementos either. The music's so unbelievable in this entire game. It's like my favorite soundtrack of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mementos... Do-do-do-do. It just like grains <laughs> on me. Like I get annoyed just like immediately coming and hearing that... Do-do-do. I'm like, oh my god. Uh... <laughs> But they find ways to make it interesting because of the targets. Mm. Uh, especially when targets are tied to social links. That is really cool. Um, you know, there's a couple really good payoffs with, you know, the way those sync up. Yeah, those little micro stories. Yes. Uh one thing that got on my nerves with mementos, and it's a very minor thing, a little mm-hmm. nitpicky thing, but uh, that incidental dialogue that you get as you're traveling through, where it's like, oh, the the bumps are getting annoying. Like they just keep saying yeah. the same things over and over. Oh yeah, yeah. and that, I that try gets to a little just, aggravating. I try to just go through as fast as I can, mm. and I try to group up. I go in. I usually go in when I have three targets or so. Mm-hmm. Do it all at once. I'm not even getting loot anymore, you know? It's nice when I have the ambush and you can just, like, immediately kill them and take the persona, that move. Uh, yeah, I try to just go through as fast as I can so I'm not there too long, and I do it in one fell swoop. So Cool. But, yeah. But um, you love it. I love it so much. You don't want it to end. I love it so much. Uh, you you were... talk about, uh, like, pace a lot, Ben. I do. I do talk about pace a lot. Yeah, and I think yeah. persona has, like, one of the best paces of a video game I've ever played because it's like when when I'm like every time I'm just about at the wall with something when maybe I could get bored of it it moves to combat you know it's like all right dungeon time and it's like so much combat so much combat 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 fighting 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 going through going through finally like maybe I'm about to be like all right like I'm ready to go out with people and hang out and go on the town it's like all right we we're good we're done with the combat like then we go back to the day to day and it's yeah. like all right so much day to day and it's like man I could really go for some combat and I want to fight things and it's yeah. like all right boom back into another dungeon time to fight uh do you think a lot of that pacing that you're enjoying so much is the flexibility where you like let's say you just want to get a dungeon with immediately and then spend the rest of those days hanging out is it because you can kind of toy around with that a little bit that you're enjoying it so much absolutely cool and i love the way sp is balanced that's kind of your restrictor of like getting through these dungeons it's like oh i'm out of sp like i'm it's so dangerous to press on like maybe i should get some coffee yeah ian hey uh you played summer persona 5 how far did you get I hadn't started the second palace. Okay. So, like, 500 hours? 
Sure. <laughs> yeah, so only 50,000 more to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, why'd you stop? Here's the deal. I was thinking about this when he was talking about pacing. I was thinking about this a little earlier, too. I have... So I put, I don't know, realistically, I don't know, 15 hours, 10, 12 hours into this game. And I loved it. I loved every part of it. Um, I could just feel the passage of time. <laughs> I could feel my life going away from me as I played this. Sure, because it is another life. Which is very... Yeah, because it is another life. And I get so... I get so... I mean, I talk about getting stressed out in Pyre about, like, having to choose party members. I get so involved and stressed out about these relationships that it almost isn't positive for me because it's just, like, too... Like, I don't want to mess up this guy's life. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to screw up my life. I want people to like me. (laughs) Um, And it's, like, too intense. But it's funny because I, I was thinking about this, too. Like, I have, like... 400 hours into Dark Souls and like 300 into Bloodborne and like 160 into Zelda mm-hmm. and then 15 hours of this felt longer than 130 or whatever hours of Zelda mm-hmm. and I just so it's human relations it's intense I, well and I wonder just cause like <laughs> I think for me the games that I can I can jump into without noticing the passage of time are the ones where I'm constantly solving problems using skills that I have earned in the game just like yeah. more gameplay like stuff constant. yeah i was just gonna say i think the biggest difference is in both of those examples yeah. where you just sunk in so much time yeah. you're doing very little stopping right and talking and, and i think i think that for me while i enjoy and love these characters and these stories and stuff yeah i just feel it i feel it as time passing more readily mm-hmm. the worst example of this was stardew valley which i i thought was delightful uh to a point but I could just feel my time being like wasted, I guess. Yeah. To put it bluntly, and I just couldn't handle it anymore, so I stopped. Mm. You know, which I I just think it's very interesting to me, like that I could just play Bloodborne forever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Stardew Valley made me want to pull my eyes out after like five or six hours because I was just like, oh my god, I'm, I should be doing other things. I'm wasting yeah. my time. I should be writing something or cutting something or making a music. Making a music. I know I'm so obsessed with this game because I have not felt that like. I'll be playing a game I love, you know, the nature of this job. It's like, I'll be playing something I love, and I'll still be thinking about, shit, you know, I could be watching uh, Twin Peaks right now. Like, still gotta watch that, or, <laughs> you, can you skip know, it. still gotta, you know, gotta play this other game, gotta play Nier, gotta play this, gotta play that. Yeah. Again, it's something... I'm 70 hours in this game, I don't want it to end, and I have blo- mentally blocked out every other video game, show, and movie that there is, because I'm so attached to these characters... And so in love with just the day-to-day in Persona. Yeah. That coffee shop, like, waking up, talking to Sojira, like, see you later, going out for the day, like, going to school, and the insane amount of dopamine. I don't know how Jones is not obsessed with this video game, Uh because Persona 5, constant earning. Steady drip. Earning cash, earning XP, earning social links, earning social skills, leveling up constantly getting earning new items personas, getting cash using those personas they're you're constantly earning and getting something at all yeah. times but you're all it's also like a constant not grind in the video game sense yeah. but like grind of like day-to-day like work yeah you yeah. have to like work and live this mm-hmm, game mm-hmm. and that's intense i cherish the moments when i can just get completely consumed by something because yeah. I agree with Ian. A lot of times, even when I'm playing games now, it's hard to shut your mind off. Yep. And you have that moment. I think it's because when you just 
are doing things constantly when you actually have that moment to sit and think and enjoy something, that's when you create the space in your brain for all of those other yeah. things to, to flood in. And I it's need just, to find a better way of, and of I focusing. Think, I think why Persona 5 nails nails it is because like you said earlier the micro stories it's like you have this giant story right not only are you getting payoffs and other things you're getting like beginning middle and end to so many stories that are like are so rewarding and meaningful Mm -hmm. it's like you're constantly closing out stories while getting closer to a bigger story yeah definitely just it's a beautiful game i love it to death it warms my heart with how much passion that you're speaking about it with like i love it because Every the day, way, I'm like, will I be able to play it today? I hope yeah. so. Like, I feel like a kid again. Like, I just want to go home and play Persona all the time. Yeah, because <laughs> before you played it, I think you kind of had the mentality of, man, when I can get to this, I will really yeah. enjoy it. I was, like, so scared. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, my yeah. God, I have so many games. That thing's 100 hours. And, like, you and Brad blazed through the game. I'm like, all right, well, I missed the boat, I guess. Like, yeah. I'm already behind. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. But then that the, enough time had passed from the zeitgeist. Yeah. As to where I could just enjoy it without the noise. I was like, all right, everyone's finished it, sure. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to go at my own pace, do my own thing. You've crossed the bridge, and now it's just washing over. Exactly. You're bathing in. (laughs) Bathing in Persona 5. Outside of Persona 5, what has been occupying your time? Uh, Movies. I am so caught up with movies. I've seen. So behind. I saw Atomic Blonde. I finally saw Baby Driver. I just saw Dunkirk in the IMAX. But. Uh, a lot of those I don't want to spoil. I saw War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm obsessed with that. Please see Planet of the Apes. I'm begging you. But on my hands and knees. Uh, but what we're talking about today is Valerian and the City <laughs> of a Thousand Planets. Nowhere near my favorite movie that I just mentioned. But the reason I want to bring it up, I'm glad you're here today. I haven't seen it yet. Yes. I'm so not going to spoil, spoil it. I yeah. won't spoil it. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because this movie is fascinating on so many levels. This is a fascinating movie and a fascinating watch. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Uh, but not only is it fascinating what's on screen, but the behind the scenes. So a little behind the scenes. It's from Luc Besson. He did uh, most recently Lucy, yeah. uh, which has grown over time. I, I I still have not seen that one. Oh, Lucy, yeah. Lucy just really fast is mm-hmm. a very bizarre movie. Yeah. It's basically a one act structure with no conflict mm-hmm. because the character is gaining sentience. It's based on that weird false pretext of yeah. we only use 10% of our brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like she gets up to 100, you yeah. know. And it's just so weird because it doesn't have a traditional structure it's just yeah. a straight line i need to see it it's a very weird movie uh but most notably he's he did the professional mm-hmm. fifth the element fifth element which and la femme nikita did he do professional yeah i know he did la femme nikita yeah i think he did so anyway really cool filmmaker uh fifth element you know one of the masterpieces <laughs> one of the greats so he had been wanting to make this movie it's based on a comic book uh he had been wanting to make it for a very long time and he saw Avatar, and he's like, okay, I can do it now. I can make this movie because of Avatar, of because of the tech. Uh, I see. This movie is gorgeous. The, the fascinating thing is, this is now the highest budget independent movie ever made. How much? 
This is a, they don't have the exact number. They say between 175 and 200 million dollar independent movie. Which is funny because uh, I think the previous record holder, at least it held that record for a long time, was Fifth Element. There it is. So yeah. like that's just Luke Besant's like thing. Yeah. So he like crowdsourced this. He produced a lot of it with his own money. This movie is failing and it's so sad when a, when a, when a, person is following their dreams they're going for their passion like this is his passion movie he put up his own money like it's such a risk and it is not gonna make its money back it's not doing well and you know i've seen a lot of comparisons to like a jupiter ascending or a or a john carter uh i enjoyed jupiter ascending the different uh the the difference in reviews too like this movie i think is like at a 50 something so it's not even a complete train wreck of a movie like <laughs> Jupiter Ascending had like a 10 or something yeah, or a 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. like critics are kind of divided but like even the people that say it, say it's bad are like state the obvious we're like dude the script the two lead characters yeah, I've heard they're just terrible they're so bad there's there's some truly terrible dialogue and and the there's no chemistry between the two I mean Cara Delvine mostly basing this on uh uh Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. which is a train wreck. Yeah. You know, but like, she just is not a great actor. Yeah. But her character in this is cool. Like, she's the badass, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's the like, we got to get this done. Let's go. Like, she's the rough and tough. And he's kind of like, hey, like, we can get through this. <laughs> you know, yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, a little yeah. more whimsical. But he's still a badass, too. Like, their, their, their archetypes are cool. Uh, but again, the dialogue, the, the writing is just, just no, 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 no. Did no. Luke write it? Okay. Written what, and directed. Okay, so what about it? The writing is bringing it down so much. So, like on a surface level, just very stilted dialogue of like really weird cheesy jokes. Okay. Um, but then like a deeper level too of like you haven't really like built built up this world and these kind of characters and like the whole motivation of this thing is like really one note and basic and weird. Like it maybe it was just trying to do too much. Yeah. Like maybe this could have been two movies instead of one. Cause it's like over two hours. Like it's kind of a long, yeah, it's like it's two twenty or yeah, it's a pretty long movie. Like maybe it could have been two movies and, and better for that. Like there's a lot of stuff that they build and, so, but again, it's fascinating on so many levels because of the behind the scenes, because of the imagery, like I've heard it's amazing. It's like phenomenal looking. visually and it was fun the whole way through. Mm. I was never angry. You know, some of the bad yeah. dialogue I laughed at, which is always fun. Like I saw it with a buddy yeah. and there was just, there was one line that like, I'm not going to give it away, but there was one little segment with like a really cheesy line with the, like we're gonna be saying that for the next five years because it was so bad so ridiculous <laughs> but so funny too so it absolutely sounds like one of those movies where in the moment you're having yes. a great time and then yes. it just gets worse the more that you think about exactly. it exactly yeah. yeah total popcorn summer movie yeah um but you know it's a bummer because you you think of again this man following his passion right mm-hmm. and it not resonating with audiences and not pan off but i think if you're somebody like him right who mm-hmm. has made films that have been hugely successful mm-hmm. hugely influential talked about for years and years and years yeah i think when you reach a certain point when you're a creative especially when you're a very ambitious one yeah you're okay with failing i think yeah. you just want to try it right yeah. like you don't 
you can't if you get caught up on how it's going to review or how it's going to perform then what's yeah. what's the point of even doing totally. it because it yeah. sounds like it sounds like to me what you're saying is this this movie maybe was not a success but yeah. at least it feels like he went after exactly totally. what he wanted to go after and i bring up out. like jupiter ascending and stuff and the fact that i liked those movies and i really think it boils down to science fiction like my god some of the the technology and right. just the world like kyle always says like mass effect and stuff i'm going on a space adventure like yeah that's yes. a great point it's so cool like i sit in this movie and i go to space and i go to the future and i see all these like weird technological weapons and items and and different alien races and that is so fascinating to see and watch and yeah. enjoyable it's just a good time at the movies not that fantasy isn't difficult to write or, mm-hmm. or create but you think about fantasy and it's like a lot of it you know swords existed that was a yeah. real thing uh kingdoms existed that was a real thing mm-hmm. um and then kind of the more fantastical elements magic Magic has never existed. Magic is not yeah. real. Dragons aren't real. I know. I know. I'm <laughs> upsetting no myself. Magic, uh, magic you, is real. <laughs> you think about science fiction, all of it has to like come from a believable point. Yeah. And like the more crazy you get with it, the more you have to justify it because it's based so much on technology, which is rapidly advancing in our own world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't envy anyone yeah. of any genre. Making a world and making it yeah. believable is a superhuman feat. Yes. It's so tough to do. Um, it made me insanely hyped now for Avatar 2. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because there is an alien race that looks like the Na'vi. And no offense to Luc Besson at all. I love him as a filmmaker. But, like, James Cameron pushes technological boundaries. That is his thing. He is a futurist. He is like 10 years ahead of tech he'll make a movie and for the next five years people will be playing catch up right like and this was an indie movie like seeing the effects and the tech in this movie i can't even imagine what in the hell james cameron is up to right. with the avatar movies like it's gonna blow me away that, i would th- that this movie was like wow this looks really good like Whoa! <laughs> I would love for you to have a sit-down conversation with James Cameron. Oh my god! I'm so oh my god! So out of my element? Are you kidding? That man is a freaking genius. Uh, he'd be like, I couldn't. I couldn't even hold a conversation with him. I'd be like, I like Terminator Two. Yeah, I like your movies. The thing. I want him to tell <laughs> you thing, but, uh, aliens. Aliens. <laughs> I want him to tell you that yeah. that he's seen it, and then you go, what? What have you seen? And he just goes, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> what it. is it? Whatever you want it to be. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, it. seen it all. <laughs> uh, any interest in Valerian? Oh, yeah, I'm going to see the hell out of that. Yeah. I, I, I hope to see it before it cool. leaves theaters. Uh, uh, do you and Huber have differing opinions on Jupiter Ascending? I saw the first 30 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, I started it at like 11 p.m., mm. and then I was just like, nah, nah. Huge disclaimer for Jupiter Ascending. Theater experience. You saw, saw it with Don. Saw it in the IMAX flanked on my left by Don Casanova and on my right by Kyle Bossman. Yeah, right. So Huge disclaimer. That's like why I love I love the movie Oblivion because I saw it with my dad. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember the movie and yeah. I hear it's terrible. Yeah. But I was just like blissed out. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm seeing the movie with my dad. Totally. This is great. 
Um, yeah, and I saw Valerian with a friend who I don't get to see that often. Right. So, yeah. Growing up, did you guys ever have that... Now that I think about it, now that you're including other human beings into how you view <laughs> movies, did you ever have that friend going up that, like, regardless of the movie you saw, they would just shit on it? Oh, yeah. Yes. Or they would, like... Shit on it forever, and then spend like five minutes being like, "But this thing was pretty good." Mm-hmm. Almost as yeah. like, I have a friend God. extremely similar to that? me that likes every single movie, no matter what. But the problem is, he never goes to the movies because he can't afford it. Oh, uh-huh. but it's like every time I'm able to see a movie with him, it's the best of all time because he and I always see eye to eye on like. Well, it was bad, but we loved this. Yeah, right, you know, right, so we like right. latch on to the th- parts of it we love, and we always en- end up having a good I time. I saw I saw hi- a history of violence uh, with it, with a guy f- uh, in college, and like the whole time he was like visibly hating it. He was just, just like, like he, yeah, he was just like, Ugh. what? And like the whole time I was like, I was like, I'm kind of, and then like I had to go in my head. I'm like, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is a very bizarre movie, but it's clearly a stylistic choice that everyone's acting and talking in this way, like. I'm not hating this. Am yeah. I? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? He's hating this clearly. Yeah. You you start doubting yourself. Yeah. And then like that was definitely one of those situations where I like looked into it. I was like, do other people hate this movie? Am I yeah. insane? And then like the reviews were like good, and I was like, okay, all right, yeah. all right, I'm okay. Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah, things are. I mean, like yeah, Cronenberg That's makes like, bizarre stylish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I insane? Yeah. 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 So. But yeah, definitely. If you have uh, time to kill and. You don't want something nope. too stressful or, uh, you know. Because, again, I recommend, like, apes. Yeah. But that's going to make you feel things. It's really heavy. It's going to drain your day away. It is mm-hmm. going to affect you. You come out of Valerian, you're like, yeah, it's fun. So if you're in the mood for something like that, check it out. I love the Low way stakes. the things you consume <laughs> either charge you up to 100 or drain you down to zero. <laughs> I feel like almost nothing leaves you yeah. in between, and that's yeah. great. I also have some other news for you, Huber. Hmm. Uh, when you were talking about Persona 5, yes. you said the forbidden word. <gasps> Uh-oh. Do you have a guess as to what that word was? Meaningful. No. It was ambush. Ambush! We've been ambushed! The way that we're going to do uh, Caught in a Frame Trap from here on out, two things I want to bring up. Uh, Before it was kind of like an interruption, we're going to stop whatever we're doing uh, to to include this little game that we do. Instead of doing that, I kind of want to find a natural stopping point. So you talked about the things that you were going to talk about on Frame Trap, and we haven't moved to me yet, and so we're just going to find this space. So even though you activated it, it doesn't go into effect until we find that that appropriate avenue. The other thing... It's like a polite trap card. It's like, yeah, it's a polite. It's like, hey, you're in this alternate dimension, but we'll give you some time. But finish talking about Valerian. Yeah, finish talking about Valerian, yeah. (laughs) Uh, the other exciting thing about Cotton Frame Trap, and this is going to be true going forward, uh, it's going to be sponsored oh. by by patrons. Uh, we have a new tier on Patreon, a $250 tier, where you get to sponsor Cotton Frame Trap. And so today's Cotton Frame Trap is brought to us by our very first sponsors on the show, Argos of War. Oh, Argos of War, of War is a first-person World War II experience that redefines the survival genre. 
launching with an unrelenting six-kilometer environment and featuring an innovative multinational warfare system, foraging, hunting, salvaging, bunker building, NPC and resource management, and a deeply customizable job system. Dude. Your strategic and survival prowess will empower you and your brothers-in-arms to battle toward multiple paths of victory. That sounds sick. Yeah. Argos of War is more than just another survival game. It's a love letter to World War II and survival fans alike. Follow the development of the project at Our Ghost of War for daily updates. Can you... Is it Our Ghost? Yeah, so to clarify, our that ghost is of Our Ghost of War. O-U-R. O-U-R space G-H-O-S-T. S. Our Ghosts of War. Okay, Got okay. Because I thought you were saying like but Argust. the Twitter know. handle given to me was Our Ghost Singular of War. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I know nothing about that, but it actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Not just saying that. Cool mashup. <laughs> World War II survival. Yeah. yeah. Down with that. Bunker building? Uh, yeah, it sounds cool. Very ambitious, too. I like that. Um, our second sponsor is Adam Barker. Uh, Adam Barker is a freelance illustrator available for commissions. Do you have a character you play in your role-playing format of choice that you'd love to have painted? Or maybe you have characters that you want designed and painted for a personal project. Then don't hesitate to send me an email at adamrobertbarker at gmail.com so we can get the ball rolling for your artwork. Sick. You can check out Adam's previous artwork at adambarker.artstation.com. And in fact, right now, right this very second, I'm going to show you some samples on screen of Adam's artwork. And you can check it out for yourself. Uh, There will also be, sorry, real quick. There will also be a link uh, to his Instagram in the description of this video. I have a logistical question. Yeah. So they're sponsoring the Frame Trap. They're sponsoring the Frame Trap. What if the forbidden word does not proc... It's a scary thought. It is. It's a scary thought. <laughs> it's a risk we have to take. Okay. It is a risk that we have to take. Uh, but the thing about this show is it's 10 hours long. Yeah. Okay. And so whatever word I the pick. The chances are yeah. good. The chances are good. Yes. Yeah. We've been rolling high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's scary. Cross the ridge when we come to it. Wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but for today's Caught in the Frame Trap, what I like to do is I like to do a very short quiz um before we've had uh which video game character said this line or which year was this made i believe was one that we did today where was that game developed which country when we get the answer do we blurt it out or do we like raise our hand um we knock my question the knocking will probably be bad my question is is hubert gonna blurt this out or do i get a shot so the way that we're gonna do it uh is Whoever says it first, but um, if you get it wrong, it goes to the other person. Hey, we'll do it like chance. we do on um, reaction shots. We'll say, I know it. So what do I, you want? If the, I know it, I'm going to say, I know it. That's fine. Okay. Well, I'm good with right, I know it, but right. basically the first to speak. Okay. okay. All right. The first okay. to speak. Uh, however, do not say, I know it. It's multiple choice. You have three options for okay. each question. Oh. Hear all the options before speaking. Yes. Okay. So no, no jumping in. Let me say C and then... What C is, and then you can say it. Okay. Got it? Yeah. Okay, cool. What if I know it immediately? Wait till all the questions Wait till, are just right. so we can have some... Okay. This isn't like Family Feud or whatever, where you <laughs> He's jump in. He's just excited. He's yeah. to get it right. All right. Which country was Remember Me developed in? This was created by Don't Nod. A, the UK. B, France. Or C, Sweden. And our beep. Oh, you got it, you got it, you got it, it's me, it's France. One point for Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I 
don't want to be friends. <laughs> Which country was the game Xeno Clash developed in? This was created by Ace Team. A, Venezuela. B, Peru. Or C, Chile. I I'm going to guess. know it. You I'm know gonna, it? He, was a know little it? Bit, he was a little bit firmer. I'm going to give it to Huber. I'm going to guess Venezuela. Incorrect. Shit. What letter was that? Venezuela was A. So the options are A, Venezuela, B, Peru, C, Chile. So C? Another Chile? point for, nice. another point for Ian's. <laughs> I thought Chile. Venezuela too. I thought it was A. But then you nailed it, so I, <laughs> I was like, okay, must be. yes. As I gave it to him for being sure, I was like, wait, we just said that whoever said it first, but I couldn't tell if you were committing to it. Well, it was, was funny. Nebulous. It was funny because he said, I'm going to guess, but very confidently. And I yeah. said, I know it, but very unconfidently. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of threw me off a little bit. That may not have been the best way to handle it. No, no, no. I'm happy it went that way because he guessed the one I was going to guess. The stakes are wrong. so high. Yeah. Because if whichever one of you doesn't win will die eventually. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't yeah. want to get stuck in this dimension. Right. No, right. I got to get out of here. All right. Which country was Crisis developed in? This is created by Crytek. Your options are mm. A, Russia, B, Ukraine, or C, Germany. I know it. Is it the Ukraine? No, incorrect. Your options... Michael Huber, A, Russia, B, Ukraine, C, Germany. Germany. Correct. Damn. Yeah. I thought it was like Russia or the Ukraine. I was like, no, it's not like Metro. It's not Russia. Right, 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 right. Fourth question. It's that German engineering. Mm. Crytek. That engine. <laughs> Which country... Was Kerbal Space Program difficult to understand, but very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> Which country was Kerbal Space Program developed in? It's created by Squad. Your options are A. Mexico, B. Brazil, C. Spain. Say that again. I was thinking Which... about my offensive jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Which country was Kerbal Space Program developed in? This was created by Squad. Was the country A, Mexico, B, Brazil, or C, Spain? I'm going to say Mexico. Correct. Damn. I was like, it's either Mexico or Brazil. I feel like I heard that one time in passing at an E3 when they were showing it. We're tied up. Or I made You're it up. tied up. <laughs> oh, no. We got to get out of here. I this, this is either going to be extremely obvious for you or make you guess, second guess yourself. Which country... Was The Witcher developed in? Poland! Huber. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I knew it too. DQ. DQ. That's a... DQ. We're going to have to give that point I'm to sorry. Ian. I'm sorry. I was like, it's Poland. Huber, we... I'm sorry. We clearly stayed in the directions. <laughs> the Witcher. It gets me excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You see why I was you, trepidatious at first. Yes. You were right. You were right. <laughs> Huber, you screwed up, but it was a lovable screw up. But we're going to have to give that point to Ian. <laughs> <laughs> it's the witcher. You like, I, I have a sense that when you did it, you knew that you screwed up, but you kind of accepted it. Had Poland! Freedom! Keep me in this dimension! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, it was Poland. So you're correct, but you we also lose you. the it's game. Okay. 
All right, Ian, this is the first time that you've, uh, I don't know if you've done other caught in frame traps. Never. Okay, well, this is your not only your first caught in frame trap, but your first win in a caught yeah. in frame trap. So what we do is the winner of the caught in the frame trap gets to break us out of this alternate dimension. Oh. So you can choose whether it's a fancy saying or a physical action, whatever you want it to be that you think would be powerful enough to get us out of this dimension. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a tall responsibility. Well, uh, in my experience, the way you have to get out of dimensions is very scientifically, technologically advanced. Yeah, not so, in this show. Oh. <laughs> well, in my experience, sure. my right. experience breaking out of other dimensions, you have to set up a, a, like a quantum de-entangler. Oh. Okay? Okay. So, I mean, like, I'll, I'll mime it oh. here. It's, you have to, it's a tripod, and you have to align the crystals on top. And there are three tripods, you know? It's kind of like in the movie Congo. Okay. Where they have the Never thing. Never seen it. Yeah, it's oh. bad. Uh, so you line up these tripods, these three tripods, and you align the crystals just right. Okay. And then we have to get in the middle. So oh. we get in the middle of the, the three crystals. Okay. Uh, we just put our hands in? Yeah, yeah, hands like are enough. Board. Hands are enough. Um, and then, I mean, it's science, so you don't have to, like, say a phrase or anything. You just push a button. Okay. And hope that it works. Because there's a, there's a good chance. It's like a 50-50 chance. It makes a lot of sound, right? It makes a lot of sound, yeah. Okay. Uh, but there's a 50-50 chance, maybe a 40-60 chance that we'll just be, like, completely obliterated. Okay. Well, Willing to take it. All right, We're already right. in this So I'm going to push the button. We did it! We made it! Oh, right. we oh I just spilled coke, coke on, on that phone! <laughs> it's a rescue run. Yeah. Yep. Quantum d I think we I didn't get obliterated. We just got some we, coke on the you phone. You got a coke on the phone. Yeah. That's like the. That's like a ten percent chance. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, that is caught in a frame trap. If you would like to sponsor our next trip to another dimension, please go to <laughs> Patreon.com/EasyAllies where you can find more information. I want to apologize for my cri- my uh, crisis engine joke. It had German like, engineering. The German. The German like difficult to understand but powerful. <laughs> I didn't intend. That's because didn't, it's it's hard to understand because it's so complex. Yeah. I don't think it was offensive. Okay, okay. German I was just like, there are like weird legit. ways that you can like read that wrong, and I didn't yeah. intend them like that. Yeah, I was thinking more like yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, that's how I took it. Yeah, okay, didn't, good. Did not register. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I was like not talking about <laughs> A lot of things don't, though. <laughs> the 40s or anything. Not didn't mean it like that. I have to commend you. Very creative uh, effort to get out of the frame trap. Yeah. You, you made a whole story there. I mean, it's just my experience. Yeah, it's just I mean, true yeah. nonfiction story. Yeah, 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 nonfiction. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to talk about some games. Uh, the first game that I'm going to talk about, I am extremely excited. Oh. I know oh. what one of them is. But. Uh, so the first game is Dragon Quest XI. Mm-hmm. I have put in about two hours uh, into the PS4 version and then about maybe an hour into the 3DS version. And so I am at the very beginning of this journey, and I'm so bummed. I've been looking, I've been hyping up Dragon Quest XI, <laughs> like since I heard about it, I knew I was going to import right away. And we just happened to be sandwiched between me going home and visiting family and us doing 50 hours of streams. And, and then I've had a lot of videos that I've had to put up in the meantime. So I just have not had a tremendous opportunity to play as much as I would like. But you're playing in Japanese? I'm playing in insane Japanese. Insane to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing insane in Japanese. Insane to me. Do yeah. you know enough Japanese to do that? Um, I know very, very, very little Japanese, but uh, so far, again, very beginning, no problems. Oh. 
huh. have not hit any walls whatsoever. Um, and I was thinking about it. Uh, the reason I think a lot of it is going so well is that I've just played a lot of Dragon Quest before, and so uh, just icons and things. It's like, oh, okay. I know what that is, or I know like what type of thing that belongs to. So, but do you know what easy. people are saying at all? No, like I have story? no idea what they're saying. So, in, in terms <laughs> to like. Infer the story I'm going with, like facial expressions <laughs> and the yeah, just he's obsessed. Sort of stuff. You're a hero, and I love it and respect it, but it also is like, uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like, right, you're playing Dragon Quest 11, dude. Like, he doesn't get better than that, yeah. So, what uh, what makes you go, because uh, like the story and like what they're saying, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. I think it's the tough. reason why I feel okay about it is I'm going to go back and yeah. play it in English. And if mm-hmm. we review it, we're going to review it in English and we're going to have yeah. that context and we're going to know what they're saying. Final yeah. question. Um, Do we know if it's... Is this the one that we're not sure it's if it's coming, coming to the West? It is coming. Oh, it is. Okay. So, okay. like, right... Like, I think it was the... I think it was the day that it came out in Japan they announced mm-hmm. that it was coming okay. Yeah. Okay. to the West. Um, but part of the reason I imported it is I didn't know if we were going to get it. And I wanted to cover it and talk about it and say like hey no this is cool because we're getting it but we don't know when this could be they say 2018 they say 2018 but this could mean march or november so this could still be over a year away 29 hurts yeah yeah um yeah i i used to really love the small sections in magazines where they would do import previews i loved learning about stuff that was like really big in another country and we couldn't get yet or was coming later there's just something about that 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 difference that uniqueness of this thing that I think has always fascinated me but also I just want to play Dragon Quest and I can't wait so I will totally take it in this form that's that's also the real reason but again you know you have to take everything I'm saying with he has not seen very much no it's the best game ever made <laughs> boy it no. seems really good yeah. Huber <laughs> I can't get over both versions how yeah, good ben they is look a, Ben is a madman he is like his his slime card is laminated and uh, in his wallet, playing PS4 and 3DS yeah. versions. and I don't Both. think I would have been able to pay, play the 3DS God. version were it not for an extremely generous patron, uh, Nathsol, who gave us his oh, Japanese yeah. 3DS, and he oh. said, hey, I, I know you want to cover Dragon yeah, Quest XI and use this, so mad props to you. Thank you for nice. letting me do that. Um, and my goal is to be working on and eventually get up a Dragon Quest Eleven preview for both versions. Yeah. I have no idea how long that's going to take uh, or when it's going to go up. But that I don't, don't want to uh, hijack your segment. I just have one no, last okay. thing to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want people to realize that you know Dragon Quest Eight was technologically technical marvel on PS2 that came out in like 2004. Yeah, still I believe a gorgeous game came out like 13 years ago. Since then, we had right. Dragon Quest Nine, which is kind of a multiplayer 3D or DS Dragon mm-hmm. Quest game and then they went in the MMO route for Dragon Quest 10. Mm-hmm. So for all intents and purposes Dragon Quest 11 is the first time since Dragon Quest 8 that we've had this huge massive single player Dragon Quest triple a budget right since you know it's been a very long time coming right that I'm trying to hype up you know it's not like Oh, you know, Dragon Quest Heroes just came out, Builders. It's like, oh, there's always Dragon Quest games. And it's like, when you look at it, it's been a really long time since we've had this classic Dragon Quest game. I really don't think (laughs) screenshots or videos do it justice. Mm. It's a beaut. (sighs) Like, you go back and I think you read 
old coverage of when Dragon Quest VIII initially came out, and they're like, this is the the best uh, video game visualization of Akira Toriyama's art style. Nah. This <laughs> is the <laughs> best visualization yeah. of Akira Toriyama's art style. Like, it is just the colors, and, I mean, you're going up this ladder, and you're in this cave, and this torch is reflecting light, and the way it's reflecting light off the walls, and the way that light is bouncing off your sword is just so cool. Uh, just the expressiveness of the characters, their faces, the way they light up. Um, and there's so much to talk about. There's so much I want to say. Um... But the real big thing that I want to drive home is the way that enemies are presented and how mm-hmm. much personality they give them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that is always just the visual design of enemies, I yeah. think, of Dragon Quest has always been impressive. But they take that to another level here. Um, so, like, one of the enemies is called a cruel cumber. And basically, it's a giant cucumber with arms and legs and a spear. Yeah. And it's got this, like, when you kill it, it'll fall down and then its spear will come down and it'll try to catch it and it'll go, no! And then you'll see the, <laughs> the platypunk, basically, this squat little, uh, like, white platypus. And when he when you fight him, he'll, like, get in your face and go, Rawr! and it's just, you're like, I, I love you. Yeah. I love fighting love. you. I love the way that you look. Oh, those enemies. Um, and you were talking about uh, how... Like playing in Japanese, I'm really intimidated. I, I I think it speaks to how that game is presenting itself. I mean, I haven't struggled with anything. Uh, you get a horse right away. That horse is very easy to understand. Um, you can, if you like, lose track of the horse, you don't have it for some reason. You just go up to these bells and ring it. You get the horse back. Mm-hmm. Um, combat has been really easy to figure out. The way that they use symbols for uh, abilities and things like that. There's less of this on 3DS, but it's still been pretty decent. Yeah. Um, just everything. I feel like I'm able to get in fights, explore, uh, get to where I need to go mm-hmm. just fine so far. I really wish this was coming out this year. Hopefully this trend continues mm-hmm. into next year, but I feel yeah. like with Final Fantasy 15 and Persona 5, yeah. those are prolific franchises that have had fan bases forever, but they reached a whole new audience. Yeah. Like, you know, they sold extremely well, uh, you know, Again, just just reaching new players, and, and that's always going to happen as time goes on. You're going to reach new players, but right. it's not always a guarantee. So I hope Dragon Quest XI maintains that. I know it obviously sold extremely, extremely well, well in Japan. Japan. Like yeah. it's legendary in Japan, but I hope that it it happens here as well in the West. Yeah, um, I I think this game will find an audience, mm-hmm. uh, and it and, speaks and as well. I didn't even mention Yakuza. Right. Same thing, Yakuza Zero. Right. So, yeah, I think this game will, will find an audience because it's just so far, it's extremely impressing me. And it speaks to something that Damiani mentioned earlier. Uh, we were talking about Final Fantasy twelve, and he said, I want something in between a Final Fantasy fifteen. I don't want necessarily like, all right, you can go anywhere at any time. I want it a little bit more closed off. I want it a little bit more segmented, but I want those segments to feel big. Yeah. And so it's, it's not overwhelming and it's not empty, but you also have plenty of freedom to explore and where you're going produces interesting results. Yeah. That is Jason loud Voorhees song. out there yeah. getting rid of a body. Every frame trap. Yeah. We've got a myriad of noises. We've got <laughs> we've got yard work, we got wood cutting, we got ambulance and police sirens. <laughs> Tried our best. Yeah. In the garage. Um what was I saying? You were talking about uh, Damiani wanting uh, yeah. meaningfully like large environments, but not the whole open world at once. Right, and that's that's happening in Dragon Quest XI uh, 
in the beginning, areas even. Yeah. Like, even in the very first areas, uh, outside of kind of the basic tutorial, prologue kind yeah. of thing. Um, well, I'm worried Damiani is just going to pass it off because of the way of the it looks. Right? And it's like, I can't... Mm-hmm. I can't get mad at somebody for not liking some a game, video game because they just don't like the way it looks. Like, yeah. if you're not, if you look at it and you say, I'm not into that, like, you know, sure, I, I obviously encourage everyone to, despite not looking, you know, if you look at it and you think you don't like it, maybe give it a chance. Right. But I, again, I'm not going to be mad at anyone for looking at something and say, all right, just not for me. Sure. You know, play what you want to play. Uh, but yeah, just going into a house and having it be extremely detailed and getting a sense of how this person lives and what they do or going over to this random corner of the map and, and finding something to harvest or a treasure chest to find. Um, I mean, it's something that Dragon Quest has done uh, a lot of times where th- there's hidden stuff to find if you poke around in the world, but it's just these worlds have not had as much detail as they have here and there's just this coziness that permeates every aspect um it's my favorite video if if, i always get that question of if you could live in a video game where would it be and it's without hesitation dragon quest yeah and it's it's hard not to think about dragon quest Mm -hmm. 8 every time i'm playing this game and obviously i can't really compare the the characters or the overarching storyline uh because i don't understand the language for the most part but Everything else, the vibe of the environments, the way it's presenting itself, the way that it's pacing itself, uh, is very much, if you liked Dragon Quest Eight, you will probably very much like this game. Ben, I'm so mad at you right now. Just <laughs> come over and play so it anytime upset. you want. I don't care this if it's game the morning. was so, like, I have defense mechanisms, man. <laughs> like, I, I push games away and suppress them if they're far off. Like, I dream about Shenmue 3, but at the same time, there's a wall up that's like, this game is, they say 2017, no, it's 2020. Oh, well, we delayed it till 2018. Okay, so it's delayed till 2022. Like, Dragon Quest was defended, and now you're like, yeah, just playing it at my house. Uh, you know, it's yeah. the best game ever. So it's like, mm-hmm. Well, I I was hoping to get in here, and maybe I will definitely get to this point where it's like, I can't progress. But so far, just kind of going through everything's been fine. Well, what's good is you'll be able to, like, if you ever do reach that point, yeah. you'll still be able to, like, free roam and just fight and right. enjoy that. You know, right. kind of like episode Deusuke in a way. It's like, you can just run around and look at things and whatever the, happens. There are two things I want to bring up about importing games. Uh is the first for us right like i it it really kills me that we didn't have persona 5 up by embargo uh with these big huge games man it is hard to hit that time yeah. uh when there's nine of us and when we with have a, with a small game it's stuff. hard honestly with, with a small game it's hard and so i like i'm kind of hoping we'll see if this plays out if if i end up playing a lot of dragon quest 11 where it's like okay this will streamline the review process nice. for the english version so i'm, I'm hoping mm. it has a practical effect getting ahead way. of the uh getting ahead of it Putting a one foot out. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's an interesting thing to yeah. think about. Uh, the second thing that is really fun with importing, and if you're curious about it, I would give it a try. Uh, is it's fun learning with a community where it's like, okay, we're all importing this, yeah, and we're gonna try to figure out online together. Where are you at? What does this mean? Uh, it just creates this this community for this long, huge single-player game that's really fun to interact with. And just that you move much slower, obviously, mm-hmm. than you would with another game, but it is kind of a very unique experience yeah. uh, that you wouldn't otherwise get, and so that's cool as well. Have you uh, ever imported a game, Ian? Um, 
my roommate imported Puyo Puyo Tetris, and yes. we played a lot of that in Japanese. There were like whole modes I didn't even know about because sure. we were like we would always kind of stumble through the menu to try to figure out which mode we could play, and then it was kind of just a surprise. Mm-hmm. We we're like, okay, we're doing that one, um, you know. And now playing in English, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fusion swap, it all makes sense. Uh, yeah, but that was a, an import. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of my a buddy of mine imported uh, Demon Souls way back in the day because nice. it was in English anyway. Ryan Stevens imported Demon yeah, Souls. Yeah, yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think I have any other ones. Uh, you were gonna. You had a question, I think. No. Oh, okay. I, I've imported just one in one game only in my entire life. What was that? Shenmue Two. Nice. On Dreamcast. But you were importing but it had English subs. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Right. So it was like the the That's European the version. Yeah, 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 yeah. It had like. F- multiple languages and english subs and is that how you was that your first full playthrough was that version not the xbox version yeah i never i didn't i didn't touch the xbox version until way down the line very cool so um i do want to talk a little bit specifically about the 3ds version uh and yeah what's the difference so so far it seems to me and i they've they've said this but like yes i can confirm this based on what i've played so far that the the story and the way things play out are identical okay um so so far same characters same setup all that stuff um i mean i can't tell if like the lines are slightly different or anything like yeah. that but in broad strokes it seems uh, exactly the same but the difference is on the 3DS version, on the top screen, you have 3D squat models in a 3D world, and in the bottom screen, simultaneously, you have retro sprite-based graphics. Weird. And so when you move, you're moving your character in this 3D world and in the 2D world at the same time. And it's really, really cool. And when you get into battles, uh, you can switch between having... 3D battles where uh, your characters will like run up and hit the thing, or the classic... Dragon Quest 2D battles where you just see them slash and you have the big enemy sprites and things like that. Um, And so that's really cool. But what I found interesting that I didn't realize based on watching footage is when you convert a 3D world into a 2D world, because it's 2D, you just naturally see a lot more on the bottom screen. Mm -hmm. And so like I'd be looking for something and I would see it on the bottom screen first. And so it's kind of had that practical application mm. or seeing like treasure chests and it's been easier to find because I also have the retro mode simultaneously. And so, yeah, I thought that was... And it's like early pretty... Final Fantasy where you're like moving around, like you have the top X down. and Y axis is top down. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because exactly. at first I was like, how do they do that? Because I was thinking side on and I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's interesting how they represent some of the characters like you uh, encounter a dog right at the very beginning of the game. And he's like kind of a light yellow dog. And you have like a spring <laughs> that is like a square. <laughs> no, it's like this like dark brown, but you could totally still tell it's a dog. Oh, kind of funny. Thing. And so just seeing the differences between the two of them uh, are really interesting. I wonder why they did that. That's so weird. Yeah, um, an ability, a new thing with the combat system that I haven't uh, really gotten to play around with too much, it just seems cool, is uh, this new zone mechanic where as you take vent damage, you'll eventually uh, activate this aura where your more your attacks are more effective. Uh, if other party members are zoned up with you, you can do, do like chain attacks. Um, and can you this, attack your party members to trigger that? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I just got zone recently and I don't have any additional party members. Okay. Um, but apparently, and I have not seen this yet either, enemies can also get yeah. zone. Hmm. And so you want to 
be careful about just it seems like you just want to be careful that's about so away. great because yeah, cool. those kabooms and kafrizzes mm-hmm. that you know take out a whole line right that's dangerous because then you're gonna trigger a major zone on everyone yeah that's really cool that shakes up combat considerably yeah um sick haven't had a chance to test it out myself but just conceptually it's like oh that's that's a clever thing yeah yeah um and yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far. Uh, I will next the very next frame trap that we do. I will hopefully have a lot more to say, a lot more to dig into. Hopefully, I'll have some more time. Um, and like I said, we will be slowly working on like pretty big, substantial preview uh, that will include both versions of the game. So look forward to more. And let me know if you're playing Dragon Quest XI and what your experiences are so far. Uh, yeah, the last thing that I want to talk about. Uh, is one that I finished a while ago but haven't brought it up until now, and that is Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> um, did not see that coming, Ben. Neither did I. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's going to be something kind of nice. recent. A new thing that we started a couple of months ago, my girlfriend and I, is we like to play through games together. Uh, and we played through Overcooked. And she loved it so much because uh, she wasn't really into games. Like she played Plants vs Zombies on her phone, but Overcooked like opened the door. It's like, oh no, I want I want to do more of this. And she's like, well, I really like story based things. And I was like, okay, uh, let's do Life is Strange. And we still haven't finished Life is Strange. <laughs> and then we jumped to Beyond, and she really liked that. And we played nice. through all of it. Um, and I played like maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth of it when it initially came out. Um, but now I've gone all the way through it and David Cage games. Are, are you playing regular? Or I was playing PS3. I was not playing okay. PS4. Chill. Um, it was just the version that I had cool. and I went on just the store. Normal. Yeah. I went Perfect. on the store. And I was like, ah, yeah, I'll just stick with, I don't want to spend I never extra played $20 the or whatever it was. That always seemed really weird to me. Yeah. It's like you're telling a story and everyone was like complaining that it, complaining about it so you go back and you remix it it's like is that what the director's cut did yeah like puts things in chronological order oh, yeah weird. and the way that that game is broken up where you're jumping all over the place is is pretty integral to yeah. like experiencing it yeah. uh so i don't know how different the director's cut experience is but yeah. uh weird. yeah david cage games frustrate me and they have for a long time uh i remember liking like 75% of Indigo Prophecy yeah. and then really not liking that final <laughs> 25%. I remember really liking like almost all of Heavy Rain and then really getting upset by the ending. Um, I I sort of feel the same way here. I feel like Quantic Dream games are good at creating moments um, and I think their central ideas are pretty strong and interesting. And so for those of you who don't know, uh, Beyond Two Souls is a game about a girl named Jody, and she sort of has this this presence, this almost ghostly spiritual presence uh, named Aiden. That Demonic is, vibes, right? It's 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 been with her forever, mm-hmm. um, and it can she can talk to it. Other people can't talk or see it, and it can like have pretty dramatic effects on the rest of the world. It can it can break shit. Yeah, um, can she see it, or is it just a voice and a presence? Can she see it? I don't think she could see it. I think she, she can, can just, just like, talk to it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she can yeah, sense yeah. it, feel it. Um, and obviously, this creates a lot of tensions in her life. People she tries to get close to 
Aiden is a problem. This this demon that is following you around, uh, it creates some strife within the family yeah. as well. Um, and though some of those individual episodes where you're sort of taking this idea and applying this context to it are really interesting in and of themselves uh, because of the choices that you get when you're going through it. Where it's like, okay, I have kids that are bullying me. Do I? How do I use this supernatural thing that I have to get back at them? And how far do I go with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of interesting to see those things play out. I think the thing that drives me nuts about beyond is there are some situations it puts you in so quickly that like you can't and because the story is jumping around so much where it's like wait how do we get here this is this is crazy this seems like there's no not a good line to follow here and so uh you don't feel that momentum of the story i guess mm. because it is so scattershot maybe that's fixed in the director's cut and then when it gets to the end uh you're focusing on these individual episodes and it has to tie things up at the end. And it feels like some of the things that it ends are unearned. That it kind of just does it because it has to do it. And you don't really feel the strong emotions that it's trying to elicit out a of big, you. A big thing for me is I have finished those three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indigo Prophecy, Heavy Rain, and Beyond Two Souls. Um... I can very, very clearly remember the way Heavy Rain ended. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very clearly. I have no idea mm-hmm. how Beyond Two Souls ended. I have no idea how to beat this game. Yeah. But at the same time, I have very vivid memories of the different set pieces, like of the 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 right. soiree and yeah. the like being in the lab and the Native American part and being yeah. homeless. Like, I can remember all of those so clearly. I just don't remember the nitty-gritty details as, as well as Heavy Rain. Right. Um, one thing that I do think it does well with the episodic structure that it has is it really plays around with the length of these episodes. Uh, some of them are quite long and involve a lot of intense action. Others are extremely short, like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes? I'm kind of guessing here, but mm-hmm. just like, okay, we're establishing this specific thing, we're filling in this blank, and then moving on. Um, and so it, it does give the game kind of an, a nice flow where it is easy to play a lot of it at once um, because it's not just these huge slogs of chapters. Selling um, point for Ian. I don't know if Ian remembers. Willem Dafoe is in this game. I remember yes. that. I remember that. <laughs> I think I Willem if- Dafoe and Ellen Page do a really good yeah. job. Yeah. I, I feel this game feels more relevant than ever because of Stranger Things. Like, mm, it's kind of uh, got a vibe of like yeah, definitely. doctor in a lab, like, you know, kid with powers. <laughs> I do wish the characters Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe were playing did not look like Willem Dafoe and Ellen mm. Page. Because it's straight it, up Willem Dafoe, yeah. Yeah, it goes <laughs> right into that uncanny valley uh-huh. where it's like, no, I, I know this person and he's not quite <laughs> moving how I know this person is. And I think it just would have been a little bit more effective if they were totally different models. But yeah. Minor point. Fascinating uh, game, though. It is I a fascinating game. I honestly think Quantic Dream games are worth playing mm-hmm. because... They like you know I think of them in Telltale of really, really trying to tell a story in a cinematic way. I know Ian doesn't always like that style. It depends. But it depends. It depends. depends. But yeah, I, some games do it very well. Yeah, I I like the way 
they do it with like choices and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe maybe that hasn't aged quite as well that way to tell a story, but uh, you know, I, I appreciate it I, because I I go into it differently. I look at it like I'm just playing a movie. Yeah, you right. Know? I kind of wish that that David Cage specifically would kind of just embrace that. Yeah. Like, because he always rails against it. It's like, it's not a movie, it's a, a game, game yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, it's an interactive story. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're doing an yeah. interactive story, <laughs> which, yeah, is a game. But, like, yeah. I think you maybe would it would serve him better if he, instead of trying to be like, this is a video game, be like, no, man, you're doing a different thing. Like, invent a new term for it yeah. and make that a selling point. Like, totally. I, I will say you playing know? it with another person oh, has yeah. been awesome because... Uh, sometimes I would be making the decisions and sometimes she'd be making the decisions and you would have those natural moments where it's like, wait, you really, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, and just like talking out, justifying your own actions for this character yeah, was yeah. a lot of fun. You're uh, in Detroit though, right? I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, I'm into Detroit. I really, I really hope that like, cause the trailers are always like, you could do this and then it rewinds and it's like, Oh, but you could do this. I really hope that it has the weight that it the trailers are, are yeah. implying that it'll have. From what Ben and I have played at E3, yeah. like holy the, shoot, dude, high stakes. Yeah. The slice that we saw <laughs> yeah. was really good. Like Tension. I want to, I want to like, I want to like feel bad for like screwing up and like, yeah, like I said the wrong thing and that dude dropped that little girl or whatever and it's like That's, that was on me, like. Yeah. That's like, why I, wanna, I remember how I want to feel pain, you know? Yeah, yeah. that definitely came across uh, just worried about, again, the whole experience. Right, that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Yeah. Is like, on the long term, like... Because that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Like, telling a story like this with a branching narrative, uh, they say, uh, they say, what is it, the string of pearls design, where it's like, it, it'll branch out, but then it always comes back to the string, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have, like, little bubbles of, of choice, but then it always bottlenecks back into one point. Yeah. Mm. And like the, the, the thing that I do for the $50 patron level, the gift I make is a twine story. And like it, it does like branch out sometimes. And like there, you have to bring it back to, to bottlenecks where like, cause otherwise it just gets unmanageable because like if you have one branch here and if you keep it branched and it branches another time, like that's three branches, three branches, so you're yeah. at like six. It just gets like exponentially insane. Sure. Which is like maybe he maybe it's like a tech situation where he won't be able to tell a good story or the way he wants to do it for a really long time like yeah. cuz you would have to it's maybe It's just make, a manpower thing like you would have to just make like keeping seven it, or eight games within keeping one keeping track of mm-hmm. the like if you can do it in a smart way where you have variables that track and just like proc different things in different ways later like that's mm-hmm. another way of doing it where it's like okay this choice here in like story beat A you can say A, B, or C, and, like, it doesn't change anything huge, but mm-hmm. then, like, later on, A, B, or C will happen differently yeah. here. Yeah. Where you do, like, micro-branches like that, mm-hmm. which is another way, but it feels less impactful. Until then. Dawn was so great because, like, people die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a good repercussion and a way to do it while Butterfly maintaining effect, that, yeah. that through line. Yeah. It's just hard to do, man. And, like, I've yet yeah, to see a game that has, like, really, really significant, meaningful, huge branches yeah. like that where, like, yeah... This character died in the beginning of the game, yeah. and so I just miss out on like thirty percent of the content. I was, I was gonna say that's why I always think about Heavy Rain because my ending was depressing. Yeah, <laughs> mine was too. So, I believe. I just remember. I, I remember the ending. It didn't make sense on those right? damn electrical wires. You had to like press all these quick time buttons and hold it, and like one of the buttons didn't work, and I was doing something wrong, and I kept getting zapped, and I couldn't do something, and then my whole playthrough just spiraled yeah. out of control. <laughs> I was like, shot. I remember in Heavy Rain where you have to do like hold down three buttons at a time yeah. and restore yeah, your yeah, hand. Yeah. You have to hold down multiple buttons and beyond, but I don't. 
don't mm-hmm. think it goes beyond two. Yeah. Like I never had the Souls. uncomfortable moments that I had in uh, in Heavy Rain. But yeah, I man until dawn. some frustrating aspects, yeah. but overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, Fun ride. That yeah. until dawn playthrough that we did was like favorite favorite memory yeah. of you gaming. Just, maybe you, one of my favorites. You uh, think about how easy, not easy, but like how nice it is for horror games to be able to boil it down to okay, your decisions only determine if they die or if they live. No, like, that is the, the exactly. most well, also, important like, thing. That is the way to play a game like that, where you have like however many characters there are in the game, you get that many people, and mm-hmm. then you assign a character to each person. Yeah. The stakes. Because, yeah. like, you don't want to not play anymore. You don't yeah. want to die. Yeah. And I really hope they do a sequel. Oh, yeah. Please. I've been, I've been praying. Please. I've been hoping for it did a, so well. Until Dawn's sequel. Yeah. I hope, yeah. I hope Detroit does well. I hope Detroit's awesome. Until yeah. Dawn was that kind of game where I don't think many people expected a lot about it and then mm-hmm. just became really liked. But, but the problem is that people streamed it and then no one needs to buy it. Because mm. they've yeah. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any I know, regrets. I haven't played it since that playthrough. Oh, no, yeah. And I own it, and it's, like, sitting in my queue, and, like, yeah. I want to go back to this. I'd but... love to play it again, but I probably never will. Do you think Detroit is a turning point in David Cage's career? Do you think if this game fails, he will not make another game like this? I think more if it succeeds, it'll be huge for him, because mm-hmm. then... People will be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Finally, you were able to pull it off. Everything he worked for. Yeah. Because yeah. like, it feels moment. like he's been trying to pull it off, whatever it is, yeah. for years, and yeah. he's never done it. And like this one feels like it could be it. Yeah. I, like His other games were so... Like, Beyond Two Souls was so critically panned, I feel like. But here he is again. Mixed. Yeah. You know? So it, it's like... It wasn't critically obliterated, but right. it wasn't like... It was not a success. Yeah. Like, people didn't respect Certainly that not a critical darling. Right. Uh, or And even, I think, among the general audience, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a beloved game. But man, like... I don't want everything to be a success. I yeah. want the interesting failures. Mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. I'm glad that... Like, if... I have said some nasty things about David Cage that I still stand behind in some not not about David Cage as a person, but David right, Cage right, right. as his a, work, his as, choices, right? As a as a creator, but uh, yeah, and his work. Um, but I keep playing his games because there's something in there that's interesting. I can I can see that ambition, yeah. and I'm very happy that he keeps goes. giving it a shot. Yeah, yeah, I am too, and I I honestly genuinely hope that. Succeed or fail with Detroit, I hope there's enough interesting stuff in it that I'm excited to play whatever his next thing is, yeah. regardless of how I ultimately feel about it. And delays used to be kind of a kiss of death in movies and video games, but that has been proven otherwise seems in the opposite recent years, sometimes. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like... Like, I would have been like, yo, delay Andromeda more. Like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Pushing it out is not the right choice. No. We gotta bring Ian in. What does Ian say? <laughs> Yo, delay them more. Yo, delay it more. Delay. Yo, delay it more. <laughs> Pay it off. Make those faces work. <laughs> Maybe have a story. I didn't play it. I don't know. I didn't play it. <laughs> it's time for Otake! <laughs> so I was reading in the news Whoa. that GameStop is going to make its employees work on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I read this too. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Who's going to go buy a game on Thanksgiving? I bet people will. I bet you They're know you have family come over. You have family come over on Thanksgiving. You get bored. You say, "Let's bust out the 
I don't know. What do the kids play? The GameCube, but then know, the controller. Let's all work. let's all buy three DSs and play Etrian Odyssey four together. You know, you're the typical American family yeah, that thing. Yeah, that absolutely. But right after uh, the cranberry sauce, of course, with reporting all this news, uh, people are saying that hey, the reason GameStop is doing this is one, it's competitive. A lot of its competitors do it, and two, they're not doing amazing. Yeah, right. Uh, and so this got me thinking. It is a very common question, but. Physical media, right? Physical game stores. I don't want to... If the conversation evolves that way, it's totally fine. But I specifically want to ask if game stores go away, specific game-dedicated stores, not your Walmarts, not your Targets, Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. like that, but your GameStops, your mom and pops, that sort of stuff, will you, panel, personally miss them? Or are you okay with things are going? Yes. I... For me, there's a line, there's a difference between a mom and pop and a GameStop. Sure, absolutely. Because to me, a GameStop is basically a Walmart. Like, I don't care. Sure. But, like, gameplay, I want to support. I want to support, you know? Or, like, local comic book shops. Like, I like Comic Bug. Yeah. I go there and I'll, like, buy a comic from him specifically. So, if GameStop wiped off the face of the earth tomorrow, you don't care? I would not care at all. Okay. If GameStop specifically wiped off the face of the earth tomorrow, would you care, Michael Huber? GameStop? GameStop. No, but I feel like it would have intense ramifications on mom and bops. Like, mom and pops would be shaking in their boots. Like, holy shit, GameStop just went under? What chance do we have? Mm -hmm. I actually think it might have the inverse effect. I hope so. Because, I mean, like, well, here's the thing, too. It's like, I mean, this is a very capitalist thing, but it's like, carve out a niche. Like, Game Dude is a highly respected retro game store mm-hmm. that seems to be doing very well. Mm-hmm. Every time I go in there, it's very busy. Yeah. Um, every, you know, it's, they have a huge stock and it's like, I'm not worried for game dude because they have that niche, you right. know, gameplay. I am a little worried because, you know, in that specific store, they used to have the, the DVD store next door that used to be a thing and like yeah. they merged them. And like, so I worry, but if GameStop went away, maybe more people mm-hmm. would go to the mom and pops. Hope so. You know, but I mean, like, I'm done with physical media, more or less. So it's like, for me, like, yeah, I want local businesses to, to be supported, for sure. Mm-hmm. And especially if they have a niche like that, you know? It's like, hey, yeah, I can't get this anywhere else. This is a great resource for me, you let, know? Let me throw this at you. Uh, when I grew up, there was a great uh, mom-and-pop video game store called uh, Cartmart. And then that eventually evolved into Video Game Depot, and then it went out of business. Yeah, I love this place. Um, and there was one other mom and pop that I actually ended up working at. But in like <laughs> my, the thing that I was most aware of, and I think the thing for most people, and there are areas where they only, in terms of game dedicated stores, they don't have that cool mom and pop. They right. just have the GameStop. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And and good point. I would get excited as a kid. Uh, going into GameStop and getting into a conversation with somebody yep. or or yeah. just kind of... There was something special about going to a place that was all about games. Um, and I do think there is that sort of cultural aspect. And so do you think for those areas where all they have is a GameStop, does that, does that take something away or am I overvaluing that? No, I mean, I thought the same way, Ben. Like, I grew up, I used to love going to GameStop, EB Games, yeah. Yeah. didn't matter that oh, it was a corporation, yeah. right. until I started hearing about the way they treat employees. Until sure. I started hearing about yeah, yeah, yeah. Circle of Life, and open on Thanksgiving. Like, Absolutely. Now I have no sympathy for you when you're treating your employees like that. Like, no one should have to work on Thanksgiving, period. End of discussion. <laughs> I mean, you unless get, they want to. 
sure, unless they want to, I guess. But like, you should have the choice as an employee. Like mm-hmm. that. How many days do do we get a year where it's all about family and all about the day off and just being able to relax? Like, it is insane and absurd to hold your employees responsible for coming into work that day. That's a yeah. time when people come in from out of town or when you need time off to travel to see your family. Like that doesn't happen all the time. It's like a once or twice a year thing, you know, yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas or, or, you know, if you, if you celebrate, even celebrate Christmas, like Thanksgiving is even the one. Yeah. yeah. So, well, and it's intense because it's, it's well right said. in front of black Friday, which is like notorious, insane mm-hmm. uh, consumer day. So it's like, man, that's rough if you end up working both yeah. Thanksgiving and Black Friday. I get like, really heated because I used to work in restaurants and they used oh, to yeah. do this holiday thing. And my girlfriend has to work on holidays and it's it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so unfair. It's so ridiculous. Like one day, two days, that's all we're asking for out of 365 days. Right. Like, come on. And it all boils down to greed. It yeah. all boils down to greed. The only reason you're open is because you're making money on that day. You're missing out otherwise. Yeah. There's no other reason to be open on Thanksgiving well, and, other than income, more money. Well, in American culture especially <laughs> is very work-centric. Like, paternity leave, maternity leave are shorter mm-hmm. than a lot of other countries. Like, yeah. some, like Norway apparently, like, I, I don't know the specifics, but like, they have just like weeks off at a time at some, yeah. time, at some points of the year. And it's just like, what? Yep. Like the whole thing just shuts down. Like what? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Like it's it's unfathomable to me. Yeah. And it's just like no, yeah, like yeah, our work days are shorter than that. Like we only work this many days a year. Like blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like wow, awesome. what is life like? <laughs> yeah. And I mean like now you know all these articles about our generation, millennials or whatever, where it's like oh you know like forty percent work from home, and it's like yeah, but studies have shown like working less, f- working fewer hours can actually be more productive. Yeah. Because they're better hours. Yep. And, like, so there's something to be said about that. And it's, like... Totally. But America's so consumer-centric that it's, like, yeah, yeah, if, if anyone's going to come into the store and buy something on Thanksgiving... Yeah. You know? Well, I, I, tried too, to get, I tried to go get a haircut on Super Bowl Sunday one time. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, you're closed on Super Bowl Sunday. But not on Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a haircut, yeah. but, like, you know, whatever. Uh, To... to emphasize that too about better hours like when i worked in restaurants like some some of my managers would be closed even though the company would not be like i worked oh. at pf chang's and they're like no our store is closed we're, we're done the Respect. the morale oh yeah store wide everyone then wanting to to do better for the manager wanting to give back coming in the next week refreshed like yeah the morale being valued as an employee made you want to work so much harder for the for the man. Also, this this is a huge point that that I was going to bring up earlier when you mm-hmm. were talking about uh, that cool vibe of going into the mall and like being excited to go to the GameStop or whatever. Like, right? There's a huge element to that that involves the personnel and like GameStop doesn't have a great reputation for having like kind employees. You know, like you right. hear stories about like oh, you know, like the jerk clerks i'm not saying that all of them are like that but it's like you know you hear stories and it's like the the comic book shop that i like i like over the other comic book stops or shops because the dude who works there a lot of the time is super chill really Mm -hmm. knowledgeable i can have a conversation with this guy like he doesn't freak me out like i like certain board game stores over others because the people that work there are cool and chill Mm -hmm. and i like to talk to them and like 
if the GameStop has like cool people in it, right. you know, then I could see that being a huge boon. And a way to do that is to please your employees, like yeah. have happy employees. And I think that pays dividends on loyalty, customer base. I'm really good friends with a GameStop manager that mm. I've known for like 10 years. Kathy. 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 She worked at the one close to me. Then, you know, when I was away at college and I came back, she was gone. Found her that she's working at another store now in Tustin. Was over there because, like, I I was looking for a game. They sent me to there. She was there. We, like, reconnected. <laughs> I hadn't seen her in years. It was pretty awesome. See, nice. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is really easy when you read a lot of the articles totally. online about right. employees to buy into right. a narrative right. that it is, it, it's all bad. And I'm right. not saying that there aren't problems there that shouldn't be talked yeah. about. That's why we're talking about yeah. it on the show. But, uh, I, you know, I've been into bad game stops that I didn't go back to because right. I didn't I've like how s- aggressive they were. They take yeah. advantage. But yeah. I've, I've also been into game stops where they were super chill. They just, you could tell they worked there because they loved games. Totally. Right. And however, whether I wanted to purchase it new or used or if I wanted to pre-order it or not, they were professional and kind and knowledgeable. And so, yeah, yeah I do think it is important to, to not just lambest like very oh, hard, very very hard working, very passionate people just because yeah. they may or may not work for a shitty company. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like the reason you have the the narrative at all is because the employees are so bummed out. Right. That the corporate lowers. corporate is like, well, corporate is like forcing them to do the yeah. like upselling of the used and all that stuff and it's like they don't want to they don't want to shill this stuff. They probably they yeah. likely don't want to have to force things like that, you know? Yeah. And like that doesn't help morale. Yep. You know? Uh Beth works at Morton's, and like starting last year, or this year they're open 365, Christmas and New Year's oh, and wow. Thanksgiving. So everyone dice. is so bummed. Like yeah, everyone, sure, no one cares about the company anymore because you know they're treated like animals, and they're it's all about it's all about profit. It's all about the bottom line. Like I remember, agreed. I remember working at a, when I grew up. I worked at a movie theater. The only day of the year it was ever closed. The mm-hmm. only one was Christmas Eve. Um, and I come from a very Norwegian, uh, like Norse kind of background. So like we did our, our Christmas stuff is on Christmas Eve. Like we open our presents on Christmas Eve and Christmas day is kind of just like, whatever you open your stockings and that's it. Mm-hmm. And like generally then you get lunch and go to a movie cause there's nothing else to do. And you're sick of being around family or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But, um, I remember being like really pleased that we didn't ever have, like I knew for sure that the one day that we had our holiday, you know, I didn't have to work. Yeah, and like sometimes it was like a roll of the roll of the dice on like Thanksgiving Day or whatever if you had to go in, you know. Yeah. So it it sounds like to me the general vibe of this panel is we are bummed with some of the things GameStop is doing to its employees. Yes, but we also I have no ill will towards our employees. But we also seem yeah. to accept that this thing is going away very soon. What's what I wanted to bring up was. We are from a different era. You know, we are 30-somethings now. Well, I'm turning 30 soon. You're not 30 yet? Two weeks. Whoa. Uh, Happy birthday. 28. Yeah. You're 28. I'm 28. I'm 32. I grew up. I've grown up in the era of physical copies, DVD cases, jewel cases. Yeah. I like collecting, too, so I love physical copies. There was a time not too long ago... When I said, I'll never buy a digital game. Yeah. I always want the box. I always want the case. So the fact that I have now changed and I am 100% fine with downloading a game on a Monday night when it comes out yeah, and yeah. buying digital sales and 
Oh, I want that that physical disc, but I'm home now. I don't really want to go to the store and grab it. I'll just download it. The fact that my generation is willing to do that, right? The generation after me, oh, like yeah. physical, is is going to be a thing Not of the past. Yeah. It will be extinct. Yeah, absolutely. I spend more time with you guys than I spend with like any other human being in my life. Mm, true. Um, and yeah. so I feel qualified to make this statement. All of us, like yeah. all nine of us, yep. uh, are. Buying more games digitally than we're buying physically. Yeah, I mean, uh, in most cases, I just bought Final Fantasy twelve physical though, because it's Final Fantasy twelve. You know, still when a game comes but, out, I but a buy lot that. of times, like I would say, for this generation of games, we have more digital games than physical games by, yeah. by a pretty decent margin. I mean, yeah. to me, to me, it all boils down to one word: convenience. Yeah. Convenience, exactly. That's exactly like, what I was trying to. If I, yeah. if I, get to. and like if if somebody's gonna break street date. I'll go buy the physical copy because I want to play this game three days early. Right. But if I could preload it, I'm just going to do that because it's way easier. Monday and if I'm night, not going to get it early anyway. 9 p.m. Yeah. Boom. Like, yeah. 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 Convenience. Like, unless I'm getting it early, I'm not buying it. It physical. was really the, 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 the change really was the, the preload digital yeah. unlocking universally at Monday 9 p.m. West Coast time. Yeah, like, yeah, that right. used to be kind of a hit or miss thing. Like, oh, yeah. when does this game unlock? When, this game when are we going to be able yeah. to play this? Like, now that that is a thing, like, every Monday night, Boom. the new releases are coming out at 9 o'clock. Like, that yeah. was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this digital because I want to play Monday night instead of Tuesday. I right. think that <laughs> has been huge. I think things like Virtual Console, PS1, PS2 Classics, Xbox 360 yeah. backwards compatibility, remasters, mm-hmm. everything's getting yeah. a remaster. And so... Pyre uh, being a digital game, like the, right. the games that are digital. On digital so only. many yeah, right? different avenues, whether it's like retro access or like speed, like digital is getting mm. better in all of those areas all the time. However, uh, I want you to, to think about a digital storefront. What what do you think are, it like let, let's pretend you cannot go to a store and buy a game. Uh-huh. What would bum you out about the digital storefront that, that you wouldn't have access to? Uh, that you would in a in a physical storefront. The interaction mm-hmm. is sometimes pleasant. the uh, The idea of making an event out of it, mm-hmm. maybe for me, it makes it more a little more special. I'm taking time out of my day to go somewhere. Right. I'm browsing the store. I see the game. I take it, have it in my hand. Right. I purchase it. I see the purchase happen in front of my eyes. You know. I have the box. There's that wait to play it. You know, you have the box. You're looking at it. Yeah. Like instruction manuals are gone. That was I a know, big that's hit what for, I was just for physical it. games. That was a right. big blow. Because like, like now, even the back of the box, I love looking at. You know, right. sometimes it's a six steel case. Like. And maybe this is being a little bit too, I don't know, pedantic about the situation. Like a little bit too minute with the details mm-hmm. but you were talking about growing up at a different time yeah. and i think seeing that box seeing that big color instruction yeah. manual yeah it's romantic. Uh, is, is all part of the it. process like that is when this game came out that came with it that is an important element to it like yeah. in order to get the full experience you kind of need that i mm-hmm. in, in my opinion yeah to like me, a digital game me, it just downloads and you click start and you're in it's a little right. but there's like, a slight but some do better than others uh yeah. you know you have like the mega man legacy collection that does have a, a lot of stuff uh like the, it has the instruction managers mm-hmm. or, or or like artwork or like you, you can listen to all the music separately like some what i'm trying to say is some retro games retro releases do take more care than others but i mean like to me 
yeah, like I lived in a small town, so it was like a forty-five minute drive where you're mm. l- reading the instruction manual of Sweet Coden Two, right. waiting to play uh, this game in the car. You know, because you're a kid, and you don't get car sick reading a thing. Yeah. But like now, to me, physical copies are so whatever and cheap and like featureless most of the time yeah. that it, it really is just an internetless download mm. device. Like that's all mm. a disc is. It's yeah. just an internetless download. Yeah. Right. So people, to me, like, like I don't with, care. People with bad internet, right, have a hard have time getting it. these games. Like for digitally. sure, for sure. And, like, that is a thing, but it's becoming less and less of a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah, and I don't want to discount that for sure, mm-hmm. but, like, yeah, man, like, I don't know. I don't have any special place in my heart for it anymore because they, they don't make it special. Well, let me throw this at you. Think about Steam. Think about the absolute <laughs> mess of a storefront Steam yeah, yeah. has become. Steam's trash. Where... <laughs> Uh, it is it is hard for things to get noticed because there is so much and so much is being added all the time. As these digital storefronts gain more power, as these physical storefronts get phased out, uh, what I'm worried about is just things getting swallowed up. Only the the biggest things with the most money are getting most of the attention. It's really depressing, and I I weep for the future. I don't like to think about it because when. <laughs> Netflix took over. Yeah. Like there are no there are no video rental stores and we all grew up with those and we all know how special they were. Mm-hmm. You know, Netflix came in low prices, streaming, put the 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 blockbusters and the Hollywood videos out of business and then jacked up the price. They jacked it up. So they took away our history. <laughs> And then kicked us in the ass. That, that's pretty. That's pretty flagrant. I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> they did jack up the price, though. Well, they yeah, put it out of business. But they also, raised like, the price. things just get more expensive over time. Like that's just how the world works. But also, like cinephile, a, a physical rental house in LA that's still happening, mm-hmm. is a niche thing that has a service. Like mm-hmm. I went and I rented Borgman there when nice. we needed to watch Borgman because nice. he can't get it anywhere else. Like yeah. I mean, I think it's on Amazon, whatever. But like. You know, like they have a purpose. It's a niche purpose, and mm-hmm. that's why it still exists. Well, there was Blockbuster a... is a is a faceless corporate entity that had no special service, but so it didn't multiple, need to exist. Like I had a I had a place by me called the Warehouse that yeah. was like somewhat video vault growing up, smaller scale. Midwest, like yeah. the fact that Blockbuster went out of business, like the other ones followed suit, and it was a domino effect. So here's my I am like, scared for brick and mortar to go. Like I can't imagine a world where that doesn't exist. Like sure, right. Like the old the old saying, like you don't miss it until it's gone. Like right, I, I'm and I think scared that's, of that happening. I think that's the central problem: is we just we want our cake and we eat to, we want our cake. What am, what is the we saying? We want our cake and we want to eat it. We too. want our cake and we want to eat it too, mm-hmm. uh, because we just we we want to live in a world, and I think. In a way, and I've said this before, uh, streaming has kind of created this culture, this state of mind where we're like, we should have access to everything. Right. And we don't take into account that in order for physical media to exist, it has to keep getting money. In order for st- digital storefronts to like do well, like we have to curtail, it has to be better than piracy. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we want both of these things to exist simultaneously. We want them to be equally prosperous because selfishly we want to have access to them at any time it is convenient. It's, it's but that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I mean, maybe I like just think of everything like in a weird like cosmic level or something. Cause like, 
A character in Game of Thrones recently said, like, everyone is your friend and everyone is your enemy. Always yeah, picture winning and losing all the time. Well, I didn't want to say because it it's a spoiler. But, like, uh, what I mean, whatever. But, like, uh, and, like, someone else was like, that's a really depressing out, like, outlook. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's how I always think of things. Like, to me, like, GameStop's already out of business. And, like, the airlines should have failed. Like, you know, like, the bailouts. And it's just, like... Because eventually they will be gone. Like, eventually yeah. GameStop won't be around. And it's like, you know, eventually maybe we'll all live in peace and harmony. And, sure. like, everyone will not hate each other anymore. And it's just like, hey, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting around for that to happen. And, like, so it's like, I think eventually, like, everyone will have internet. And it'll be so blazing fast it won't make a difference. And, like, technology will get to the point where it's like, things are happening that we don't even picture right now. So it's like, for me, like, it's kind of like crying over spilt milk because it's just like... Look, it's gonna stop happening. Like, it's gonna stop existing, or it's going to change. It's going if it doesn't adapt, it deserves to go away because that's your fault. Yeah, and like, I but I do it's think like, it's easy to focus on a big company like GameStop, right? But if you're somebody, if you think, let's say hypothetically, they announce tomorrow that all physical game stores are going away, and you're like, oh, but this mom and pop that I love so much, I cherish every single time that I go in there. I, what I want people to do is I want you to decide what you care about. Really think about it. If you are all in on digital, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if there's something about whatever sort of store that you like, if you like the people there, if you like the way the vibe they have, if you like the way they present themselves, think about supporting them. I mean, think about supporting the, yeah. them more. Think about giving them suggestions. If there's there's I'll way they can any do game more I can you from you. from gameplay. Sure. Help them yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. My, I was just down in Irvine. My comic shop that I used to ride my bike to in like fourth grade and buy magic cards shut down for a big vitamin shop now. Oh, it's gone. gone. I mean, that's that's my thing. Depression. Like, I care about human beings. I care about people. I want people to be gainfully employed. I want people to be happy. I want, you know, and that's part of why I'm like GameStop, whatever. Like, because if the employees aren't being well treated, it's mm-hmm. like, I want for those employees, I know it's difficult, I know it's not just an easy thing to go and get another job, because, like, that's sometimes impossible for people, but it's like, yeah, I care about these employees, I want them to be happy, you know, and I just, I just want everyone to acknowledge that, like, technology isn't going to stop, it's only going to get faster, and things are going to change, and so, like, we need to adapt instead of holding on to the past, like, Holding on to finite resources or, or dying industries, like, that's not the answer. It's like, we need to grow and change because things are going to grow and change. And mm-hmm. if we don't grow and change with them, you're going to get stuck. You're going to be trapped. But the only thing that prompts growth and change, really the only thing, is being vocal yeah. and in convincing other people of, of that, that, like, hey, I, I believe in this, do you believe in this too? And then you form a collective, like voices like the way that your voice can be heard you can change so much not just that but also where you're putting your money like people don't think about it they don't think that oh if i buy this game here i buy this game there it doesn't matter it matters a lot oh yeah it matters so much just just think about it um and i do think if more people were conscious of it if more people put just a little bit more effort into the decision of where they purchase things uh, it would it would absolutely have an effect. I value human connection more than anything on this earth. And I think about going into a game store and buying a game that people have been waiting years for. I think of that transaction yeah. with the Think clerk. about those midnight launches. Hey, oh, exactly. Yeah. The midnight, yeah. you midnight know, launch. I, I, people give me a hard time for playing Call of Duty every year. But like the midnight launches of everyone waiting in line, meeting people, talking to people, sharing in that moment. Or like the clerk 
you're there, you maybe go a couple days later, or like the day right. of, the clerk hands you like a copy of Grand Theft Auto, and you like share a moment together. Mm-hmm. Just that is gone from digital. Mm-hmm. There's there's no connection. Right. You just push a button, you get it. And right. see, for and me, can... that I love, I love that. Like I, I, <laughs> sure. I get, I get very uncomfortable. Like the the quickest way to not sell me on something is to try to sell me on sure. something. Like if if some if some guy comes up and is like, hey, that model's great, but this model has a faster processor, I'm like, please stop talking to mm-hmm. me. Please let me do this myself. Oh my god. Like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want to meet someone in a line you know yeah. i don't want to have to yeah, talk yeah. to someone yeah. i want to push a button and have a thing magically appear <laughs> i mean that doesn't take up space in my yeah, house it's, it's interesting because i completely agree with you i as somebody who gets like a little bit nervous in big crowds yeah. or it yeah. has a tough time talking to strangers uh i'm like thank you amazon you're just gonna yeah. whatever i want you're just gonna make it yeah. show up on my door for two days and i and i love that but man <laughs> that's the tough part about being a human yeah. right is when you throw yourself out there and you do have those physical interactions, sometimes it's terrible. And you think right. to yourself, I never want to do those again. And sometimes you're surprised. And sometimes you're surprised and you think it's it's amazing and you you want to fight for it because it was so special for you in that instance. And it's, it's hard because I like that guaranteed efficiency, that cold efficiency. But at the same time, like, what if, if that's all we have? Yeah. What are we losing? I think, I think, like... Amazon is an interesting example because another example of you hear stories of like weird mistreatment of employees and like the weird right. the weird strain that they're under to get things out in time is it's like that's intense. Yeah. Um but then like they are also doing this weird middle ground stuff with brick and mortars and like they just opened a thing called Amazon at Westwood where it's just they do they have some at some 7-Elevens they've got those lockers that you can have things delivered to. It's basically a PO box if you like haven't 7-11? got a safe. Some 7-Elevens, yeah. Whoa. But now there's a thing called Amazon at Westwood that is literally just a store manned by uh, probably a couple people. I thought you were going to say a that, robot. No, no, no. I think it's a couple human In the picture there was a man standing behind a desk. So okay. it's like there's a human being there at least one <laughs> theoretically. But it is a bunch of lockers that you can deliver stuff to from Amazon and it's faster cuz they have that chain setup so it's like okay i'm gonna be in that area i can have it delivered there safely it's locked in a locker that i have like i don't know my fingerprint or password for whatever um yeah or they do those grocery stores where it just scans your phone and anything you pick up you automatically buy and if you set it back down you unbuy it Uh, and then when you walk out it charges you i think there's one in seattle so it's like the future is happening and it still is employing people it's just different and weird. Mm. And so like I think that that stuff won't go away because yeah, human beings are social animals and I think like I think we still will have ways to interact and meet new people and have things like that cuz mm. like yeah, maybe instead of you know, switches are mobile now. So maybe instead of a midnight launch, it's a midnight meetup yeah. where you've all downloaded the game but sure. you meet up and you it's play cool. it multiplayer with each other. That would be like cool. stuff like that. Like human beings can find solutions to these problems. Yeah. Mm. Because things are changing, and they're not going to stop changing. Can't stop progress. Yeah. Okay. The future, I like to think that the future trends upward. That that things will get, like, people will get better, things will get better. That's what I like to think. Yeah. Because generally that's been the case. Like, statistically, if you look at things, it's slow, but things trend toward equality and, like, more prosperity generally yeah um very slowly sometimes but and like there are stumbling blocks but like i think eventually hopefully theoretically 
that'll be the way. I can you know? re- I can totally respect and understand that viewpoint. Uh, the thing for me is, you know, you just never want to be marching forward blindly. Right. You, know, you always want to think, all right, we're taking another step. What does the step mean? What does things it are, do? Things are very complex. And, yeah. like, I, I recently heard something that was very interesting because I've always loved both Star Trek and Star Wars. And, like, uh, people have been pointing out that Star Trek makes people complacent because they assume that there will be a future where every problem is just solved. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Wars is like, no, conflict isn't going away. Right. And like, yeah, I don't think conflict's going away because people always have their own points of view. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I don't Check know. Check out War for the Planet of the Apes in theaters right now. What are they building outside? I don't know what they're building. We got it's like that Tom Waits we song. got What's he loud hammering. <laughs> Find out next episode, I guess. Yeah, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. We'll peek over the fence. Uh, are we ready for emails? Let's do it. Sure, yeah. That was a good hotake. I feel like it got... I like it. It got socioeconomic. Yeah. I feel like it is a poor form to comment on your own segments, but I agree. <laughs> I'll comment for you, Ben. Okay, thanks. Thanks, guys. Uh... What is no if you disagree? Yeah, yeah, we should shut that. Yeah, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down now. It, it's always just shut so it down breaking for me. Forever. When we're having these these conversations and we're trying to put a lot of thought yeah, into yeah, them and we're getting emotional, see it from every and angle. then all of a sudden you hear, Woo! yeah, yeah, bang, bang, just like, well, <laughs> oh god, ah, thing, I'm here. The only thing I could forgive them building is a treehouse. Treehouse. If it's a treehouse, I'm you know cool with it. Anything else? Yeah. This stop. Sounds, let's this assume it's a high road. Let's yeah. assume it's a great treehouse. Yes. This okay. sounds terrestrial, so maybe they're building and it on the ground and then they're gonna lift it. We're gonna we're gonna walk out of this room. Yeah. And they're gonna invite us to be yeah. like, hey. Or it's hey, Jones. You're gonna. It's <laughs> Jones. Jones is building a treehouse. Jones is playing Dino Frontier in a treehouse. Yeah. 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 He's, like, <laughs> he's like, oh hey guys, we got our VR treehouse set up. <laughs> oh, I hope that happens. It is my dream. I've said this before, but it is like my actual dream. Like if I ever get like a bunch of money. Yeah. Treehouse village. I'm l- building and living in a treehouse village with like yeah. all my friends. For sure. Like that is what is happening. In EverQuest in 1, the Wood Elves lived in trees and that's why they were my favorite race. What about the the um Oh my god, I'm a casual. Robin Hood, S- Prince Return of, of the Jedi. Ewoks. Ewoks. Oh, Ewoks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also Ewoks. Ewok village. Lift yeah, it yeah. off yes. the ground. Oh my <laughs> lord. The the tree level and mist. <laughs> Oh, it was like my dream. <laughs> now we're just we're get we're at that point in the episode where we go. Remember this? That yeah. was rad. <laughs> now, we, what if this would happen? That we've, was rad. We've passed into the iris. Ten years here. from yeah. now, remember brick and mortar stores? <laughs> that Whoa! was rad. Whoa. Remember gameplay? You could just go to a place. It took longer than having yeah. it delivered, and it cost more. Whoa. Sometimes it get like games early. Yeah. Like, Whoa. Whoa. When you couldn't have something delivered in less, it took more uh, than an hour. <laughs> our, our first email, let me change this time code, is, is kind of along these same lines, but also kind of fun, I think. Uh, it is from Brandon. I, I always get away from the mic when I have to do these time codes. There's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way of doing this. Uh, he Brandon says, first email, hey, everyone. While a great deal of conversation has been had about this year being a phenomenal one for games, I remember a conversation I was a part of that highlighted the seven-year, every-decade containing unbelievably high-quality games rule. What he means by this. In 1987, the world was introduced to Mega Man, Street Fighter, Final Fantasy, Contra, and Metal Gear. Oh, yeah, 1997 had the likes of GoldenEye, Star Fox 64, Fallout, Tekken 3, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and Final Fantasy 7. 2007 kicked off a new generation into high gear with 
Well, it. let's say when the new generation got its stride, uh, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, Halo 3, Bioshock, Uncharted, Mass Effect, Super Mario Galaxy, Assassin's Creed, and Portal. Now this year, we have Resident Evil 7, Horizon Zero Dawn, Persona 5, and of course, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And Yakuza 0. Mario Yakuza Odyssey 0. coming up. Never forget. Not to mention we still have the likes of Uncharted the Lost Legacy, Evil Within 2, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, and of course, Super Mario Odyssey, among others. And Yakuza Kiwami. And Yakuza Kiwami! <laughs> I've left off a lot of games from each of these years, but the pattern shows when a year ends in seven, it had it almost always has been a fantastic time for games. My challenge for everyone, which of these years of seven has had the most impact, 97. the most important... Just being the overall best. Why 97? Because of the night, baby. Final <laughs> Fantasy 7. Do you think a lot of that has to do with you being a young, a young lad in a 1997? Young lad. Mm, possibly, but Symphony of the Night is like, it's very good. So basically, what you're saying, Symphony of the Night was great. Everything used to be awesome and better than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this year is also pretty phenomenal for games. Cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I also think I like yeah. It is an interesting coincidence that a lot of great games have come out in the sevens. Right. But, like, I, I bet you could do this with any year. Yeah, you, you could, could do the you fives could do, you could find do with, five good games in that year. You, you know? could probably do it with, like, the eights or the sixes yeah. as well. Um, I just thought it was. Sixes. I just thought it was a fun... Like, last year kind of blew, in my opinion, but... Well... Yeah, but I think of like 1996. Yeah, 96. Or like 1998. I think of 98 was out of control. Like, sure, 2014. Yeah. yeah, like there have definitely been some lulls. I do think he makes a. a but it is interesting. Sevens are pretty amazing. A compelling case for these years with sevens. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of turning points in these years. Uh, I wonder I, if it does. I wonder if it does have have something to do with where that the sevens just happened to fall in. The cycle of generations, right, because like that was exactly games, what I was going to bring. Games up. started in what, like eighty five, eighty four, mm-hmm. sort of. So like that's a few years after, and then like right. the next generation starts, and then it's a few years after. So like I definitely think it has more to do with that, sure, than anything else. And in, and in nineteen ninety seven, uh, you have the burgeoning of three yeah. D graphics uh, and and like just things that we could not do technologically. Like you know, you're always saying we're having more steps but they're getting smaller kind of mm-hmm. a thing whereas mm-hmm. like 1997 a lot of big steps i mean goldeneye 007 codifying first person games yeah. on a console like really blowing it up in a way that it hadn't been blown up before uh what didn't it used to be that uh, the console cycle was seven years isn't that the number i don't know off the top of my head hmm. maybe i'm just making that up Early Sounds Star Trek was up. all seven years, but 2007, <laughs> or maybe it was nine years. I'm not sure. I mean, you have five. You have Bioshock. You have Uncharted. You have Mass Effect. Uh, you have Assassin's Creed. You have yeah. Portal. I mean, these That's are big. These yeah. are games that are still being talked about with fervor for how uh, just storytelling and game structure and just and games that are still getting sequels. Right. The, like an Uncharted game is coming out this year. Right. Good weeks. Yeah. This is. One of the best, if not the best year for video games mm-hmm. ever for me. I'm not joking around. Sure. Because you, you know, Ian Ian says, like, these franchises are still getting sequels. You look at the beginning of the year with Resident Evil 7, redefining the franchise. You look at uh, Yakuza 0, another one, a franchise that's been around for so long, 
giving arguably the best entry in that series. You look at Zelda, another oh, franchise man. that's been around forever. Right. Potentially the best Zelda game ever made. Uh, so are you picking 2017? I'm picking this hands down. Persona 5, yeah. you know, Persona's been around forever. That's arguably the best Persona. Man of like, the moment. Like, like yeah, it. we are getting some of the best video games of all time. And a lot of these are parts a part of franchises that we are so close to. Like Mario is redefining itself yeah. and that has potential to be one of the best Mario games in the it series. Feel, it, it does feel it's like we're getting into like the revisionist period yeah. of video games where mm-hmm. it's like there was the classical period, then there was the like homage period and now it's re- revisionist where it's we're looking at what we've done before and improving on it by taking chances. Mm-hmm. Not just not just trying to replicate the successes. And it does feel like a brave new Time Brave right new now. world. Yeah. 20, it's 2017 is insane for games, for video games. I yeah. cannot handle how good it is. Wolfenstein could be one of the greatest first-person shooters of all time, for all we know. You know, everyone still beholden to Half-Life Two, yeah. but like Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein the New Order really borrows some good. stuff from Half-Life. Yeah. Like this could be the one that finally like dethrones Half-Life for being. The, the greatest game you know nostalgia is uh is a tricky thing to 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 beat out yeah. because you know we we carry on that legacy and we we cling to those moments and we maybe give things kind of a brighter sheen than they originally had when they first came out but like yeah this year is just no i i think you can absolutely <sighs> make a case for it i mean resident evil 7 uh <laughs> like Taking a series that needed a new direction and, and crushing it in a lot of ways. Not only doing that, but doing it with brand new technology. Yep. That is the, like, to this day, and I, I admittedly need to do a lot more VR experiences, but personally, the best VR experience that I've done. Yep. It was amazing. Yep. Uh, I bet a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, we're going to go, man, I wish they had cool, inventive games like Horizon Zero Dawn. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. That was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, totally. I can absolutely see that happening. But even Uncharted 4 Lost Legacy, a little expansion, has the yeah. potential to be the best slice of Uncharted they've ever made. What about 1987? He's pointing to things like Mega Man, Street Fighter, Final Fantasy, Contra, and Metal Gear, the start. That's the, so many that's things. kind of like the opposite of this, where it's like right. that the birth yeah. birthed all of these things that are mm-hmm. now being revised. Yeah. Yeah. Revised and refined. Mm. Revolutionized. <laughs> Revise, refine, revolutionize. I'm yeah, like Metal to... Gear NES, like, yeah, they've already outdone that with sure. Metal Gear Solid sure, sure, sure. and Metal Gear Solid Three, and I guess for me, I, just purely speaking to nostalgia, uh, 1997 was a point in my life where of course. I understood enough to like enjoy it fully, but I was still a kid and had that wide eye wonder yeah, and yeah, like yeah, all yeah. of these. All of these things just felt like how did how did human beings create this? You still have that cre- wide-eyed wonder, Ben. Oh, Think I, about Dragon I Quest do. Eleven. That's some wide-eyed wonder. I do, I do. But <laughs> it was different in of the course. sense of time and unshackled by the burdens yeah. of adulthood. Yeah, yeah unshackled yeah, by yeah. the burdens of adulthood. <laughs> but no, that's a good thing to bring up. And man, like yeah, it's just kind of. Maybe it's kind of a meaningless statement, but I, I I would argue that it's an important one. Dragon Quest Eleven, man, booting that up. Obviously, yes. I have a bias. Yes. Obviously, that music hits. You're a kid again. No, but it's just like th- this world that they made. It is incredible. How did human beings do this? <laughs> it's good to feel that sometimes. It's good to connect 
with that wide eye wonder sometimes. You can't be consumed by it all the time. And maybe I am too much. Zelda Breath of the Wild did that for us. Zelda did that for me. Horizon did it for me. Persona 5 did it for me. Oh, just that feel. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Hyrule Field. All the fields. Anytime you're in like It's the only game I've ever smelled. Yeah. I can smell it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the only game I've ever smelled. Yep, yep. Breath of the Wild. The town that you helped that guy build? Terry Town. Terry Town, dude. I just like want to be there. You can feel the message of Terry Town, too, is. Yeah. You can feel the breeze on your skin. So we're talking very loudly about how much we love. Zelda Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. and Persona 5 and Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, that feeds well into our next email. Three goaties. Yeah. Reacting to the greats. Hey, allies. I just finished Persona 5 about a week ago, and I want to say thank you. When I saw the reveal trailer for this game, the visual style had me interested, but if it wasn't for the hype uh, from the allies, most of all, Huber, Brad, and Ben, I don't know if I would have ever been hooked into buying it. So I just wanted to say thanks for opening my perspective to the Persona series and convincing me to play this wonderful game. I think, as with any game, there are a lot of topics to discuss that come off from Persona 5, but what I wanted to talk about in this email is my personal reaction to the game. I think Persona 5 is one of the greatest games I've ever played. Part of me feels weird for saying that, though, because I don't usually declare that about a game right after I play it. And instead, I'm looking back on it after a couple of months in reverence when I put it in the Thane tier of my personal gaming Valhalla. What does that mean? I think the way... No, what is Thane Thane tier? Maybe they really liked the character Thane from... That's... Mass Effect? Hmm. Is Thane a... Viking God? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure what that means. Uh, Let us know what that means, Troy. What that means. Uh, Very curious. Uh, So when I was done with my own journey through Tokyo and the metaverse, I felt more comfortable than I usually do putting in my all-time favorite games. The question I want to get out of all of this is, when do you know that a game is one of your all-time favorites? Is it right after the credits roll or a few months slash years after playing? Both. When you look back on a game like a fond memory. All of it. All of the above. During your playtime, right. you're playing it and you're thinking in your head, holy moly, this is incredible. This is one of the best games I've ever played. This is one of the most fun fun I've had with a video game in a long, long time. This is giving me those feelings. Right. Then you beat it. You still have the feeling, yeah. and then a couple weeks go by, or a month, or a couple months, and you're and it's still the memory of it is still powerful and still there. Yeah, for me, for me, almost the most important moment of any game is the second you pick it up, the second you start playing it. Like, I mean, yeah, like I mean, the Souls games for me, it was like the second I felt how it played, I was like, oh right, okay, Breath of the Wild, same thing, Portal, same thing. Yeah. Uh, the second I pick it up, I'm like, this is a game that I will, that I like the way it handles. Yeah. So I'm into it. And then it just has to like, prove me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is the best ever. And then when you're at the end of it, it's like, okay, did it hold up? You know? I will say, I've had plenty of times where, uh, when something felt hot, when I was like playing it, I was like, yep, this is it. This is going in that, right. that important list of my favorite games of all time. And for months afterward, I just would feel so good about it. And it was a marriage made in heaven. And then years later, I'm like, yeah, it was good. Not in that list anymore. What right. is and one of those? Right. Uh, Give me one. What was one of those? Give me one. Um, I think for me, Portal was one of those. Mm. Where when I finished it. Portal 1? 
Portal 1. Uh, I, I still love it. Like, I still adore that game. Yeah. I still stand behind a lot of the, the crazy great things people say about it. It's just not quite in that all-time list anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know what? What I'm trying to say is... That's okay. I mm-hmm. think sometimes we get this obsession with, yeah. all right, I said this thing was my favorite yeah. thing, and years later when I change as a person, it is no longer, like, yeah, and we right. feel like guilty about it. It's okay. That's the beauty of humanity is yeah, we're, right. we're changing exactly. people yeah. that have different life experiences that affect how we view and shape things. And totally. if your favorite game list is is changing, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong it's at all. Fluid situation. It's a fluid situation. <laughs> Human beings are, yeah, very mutable. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, if your favorite games are always the same, I mean, either those games are real great mm-hmm. for you, or yeah, like, you need to, I mean, you don't need to do anything, but it's like, yeah, I would say, take another look, see if it still holds up. That'd be an interesting, like, exercise for yourself. Yeah. Hold up. Because I think Bioshock is the first game that came to that my was mind. A, that was another one that I was going that, to say. That yeah. fits into that category, where, like, where I, when I played it, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever, even though the ending was like, hmm. Uh, and then, like, a few years later, I was like, yeah, love Bioshock. Well, and now the- it's like, yeah, all right, Bioshock, I still love it. But it's, yeah, not one of my greats. In the case of Bioshock specifically, there's still so much that I love about it, but right. the way that it feels, like the way the shooting feels and how that controls um, is not, it, it's bothering me a little bit more than when I first yeah. played it. Well, um, and so that's th- that's affecting where it This raises an interesting, well. an interesting thing too for me. Like the Souls series is the perfect example of this and Bioshock is another perfect example where la- later games in a series can topple their predecessors just by making improvements. Sure. So, like, Dark Souls 1, I love that game. Still one of my greats. But, like, the way that Bloodborne handles is, like, infinitely superior, in my opinion, for me. Yeah. Uh, And, like, Bioshock 2 with dual wielding just, like, vastly improved on Bioshock 1's gameplay. Well, see, what's interesting is... Like in the case of Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I don't disagree with you, but Dark Souls 1 is still my favorite because it has my favorite world. Right. Um, and that that is just more important to me, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, like the Lovecraft cosmic horror stuff is like right. my favorite thing. So like, yeah. while Dark Souls' world is perfect and beautiful and wonderful, Bloodborne is more perfect and beautiful and wonderful for me. Okay. hope we get a Bloodborne well, too. We're not friends There's no anymore. guarantees. Are There's no guarantees in life. <laughs> Our final you had, a, email. you had a Bloodborne 2 button, right? Yeah. You never know. Well, or that was shopped. Like, who knows? Yeah. You sweater, never know. You never know. You know? Everything is fake. Everything is real. E3 mm-hmm. was bizarre. When Everyone's it- your friend. Everyone's your enemy. <laughs> you always succeed. You always fail. E3 2017 was weird because it was, like, widely assumed that Bloodborne 2, 2 yeah. was, like, just coming. Everyone's like, yeah. PSX. Uh, everyone's like, yeah, the Bloodborne 2 uh, reveal. That should be fun. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. You do know something I don't I expected like. From Software to show up at all, which was a little amazing that they didn't. PSX. PSX. Life is just painfully waiting for things. Yep. We've been waiting Life for just Dragon Quest XI since 2005. Long time. In a roundabout way. Long, long time. Yeah. Um, speaking of time, yeah, there's God. never enough of it, says Zachary. He goes, hey, allies, I'm hitting a point in my life where I just don't have as much free time as I used to. And it feels yeah. awful. Yeah, it's called I growing can't up. dedicate as much time to video games as I want, but I still find myself clamoring for every moment I can put in some time into what I'm interested in. The kicker is that the games I'm currently playing are games that take hundreds, if not thousands of hours to complete in some extra content. What is taking you thousands of hours to complete? Final Fantasy something? 
14. I'm currently playing Civ Final Fantasy 14. Okay. All right, there there it is. I'm currently playing there it is. Final Fantasy 14 <laughs> Warframe and uh, working. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Stop playing MMOs. And, <laughs> and working on my own RPG with RPG Maker Fez. Cool. Yeah. More details to come, he says. Very cool, which I am enjoying a lot. But at the same time, my Wait, mind RPG wonders. Maker Fez? FES. Isn't that the 3DS one? Isn't that what it's called? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't I mean? I forgot about I don't the know if you say one. Fez or it's F after MV. Is it Fez or FES? I don't know. The other ones are letters. Because he did capital F, lowercase e, lowercase s. I don't know. The other ones are MV and XP or whatever there are. The one on Ace, 3DS. One of them is called Ace, so this one might semantics. be Fez. Yeah, semantics. Uh, but at the same time, my mind wonders when I will ever make it to Horizon Zero Dawn or near Automata, uh, to which Automata, every time, to which I believe are long games in their own right. So my real topic of discussion is, are games becoming too long? Not only are they becoming longer, but they're becoming more frequent at the same time. But of course, this could just be a product of this year of dreams with multiple of these longer games, most of them being RPGs. I thought they were too long until I got 70 hours into Persona 5, and, and now I'm afraid them. it's going to end. So I think it's a case-to-case -case basis. But on the same token you haven't played near automata exactly yet. there's just too many games yeah i don't think like if games were a little shorter like i still don't think it would really matter as much because there's so many even if some games were shorter like you there's no way you can get to them all there's yeah. just no way well, you're gonna have to let some slip through the cracks you, you and it's up to you how much you want to commit of your life to kind of soak them up i, th mm. I would say yeah i agree 100 percent. it is up to you and like don't let yourself be pressured by mm. zeitgeist yeah uh, don't be afraid of starting something and not finishing it. Yeah. Um, like in hindsight, I would have been okay with not finishing Nier Automata. Yeah. Um, and I kind of wish that I had the time to finish Persona Five. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I stopped playing Persona Five because I thought Nier Automata I could just like play it real quick and then get done with it. Yeah. Uh, which was a mistake because then it took the steam out of my sail, the wind out of my sails for Persona Five, and it's like I I made the wrong decision in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, just follow your heart. Play what you want to play. Don't yeah. let people tell you what to do. I, I did want to uh, want to say that we've we've very much answered the spirit of this question multiple times with play what you want to play. Uh, but the reason why I chose this email is one, I feel like this is a problem people are constantly dealing with. Yeah, we're constantly dealing with. And two, I had a realization. Whoa. Uh, so. <laughs> I went on Twitch and I typed in Dragon Quest XI and I saw a title of a stream that said Dragon Quest XI post-game stream and I'm like, who are you? How did that happen? How are you in the post-game for this game that came out like four days ago? This is crazy. And then I just realized like, oh, people have different things going on in their lives. Some people are going to be able to get through every JRPG this year like it's no big deal. Right. Maybe not a lot of people, but it's just there's no way to answer our games too long. Mm -hmm. Everybody is different and that's fine. Some people are crazy and can finish these things with no sleep in four days and let them. Like, yeah. Last year I was preaching so hard about the zeitgeist we became like obsessed with yeah. like catching the boat. Yeah. Persona 5, Yakuza 0, and the 2017 Year of Dreams has taught me to abandon the zeitgeist. I don't care. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. just too many good games to worry about what to play when. It's yeah. like just follow your heart, play what you want to play in that moment, and but don't worry because because post game Dragon Quest Eleven, the zeitgeist is over the day the game comes out. Like someone's already at the end. Zeitgeist over. Two things. Like what? 
I think the, 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 this word that we use all the time, I think the zeitgeist is whatever we define it as, mm-hmm. right? I would argue there's still a zeitgeist for Overwatch, yeah. a strong one, and burning bright. Zero because we keep yeah, right. going back so to it. So the, the zeitgeist is this nebulous thing that is hard to pin down anyway. And yeah. two, some people are masters at writing it. Yeah. And, and some people enjoy that. I just, for as much as we say, hey, go at your own pace, I think this, the spirit of it is, is like, you can be relaxed or as intense yeah. as you want. Right. You're right. I guess like, I am riding the Persona 5 Zeitgeist right. cruising like, yeah. down. It's, like, it's weird that we sure. would even suggest that sure. the, the conversation around Persona 5 <laughs> has died yeah. or, or anything like that because there are still plenty of people talking about it, still plenty of... I mean, it's it's a game that could take you 120 hours to get yeah. through. Like, there's still a lot of people working through it. And so yeah. I you're, I think you're on the, the wave. Yeah. To, nice. me, to me, when a Zeitgeist is at its most enjoyable is like when we were all playing dark souls one at the same time and we had no idea what was happening and we were yeah. figuring things out as we went mm-hmm. i do that wish... to me is when as i got because like when it's a shared mystery yeah. or like a web like when a game i don't know like fez i think did this kind of and like when games have this crazy like meta mystery and people don't know what's happening mm-hmm. when the internet becomes like a sleuth and you can get involved in like the almost arg of it that I really love, and like That's I, dying, I'm a I little bummed. Like. It is, yeah. yeah. I'm a little bummed if I miss out on that kind of zeitgeist. But yeah, I think like missing a near automata zeitgeist or something like that is like almost good because then you can just take it at your own pace, right? And yeah. you are probably less influenced by what everyone is saying, right? I think part of the reason why we use zeitgeist and, and in this age of the internet is so people strongly feel like. This is good, and we we love it so much that like all you hear is the good, and so it, it just becomes a little bit harder to process when you have this thing in your ear constantly screaming how good or bad this is. When you get away from that, uh, it it can be helpful depending on the game. Yeah, I think zeitgeist can be damaging. Yeah, like if absolutely. everyone's like, oh my god, this is this kind of masterpiece or whatever, and then you're like, meh. But for <laughs> us, what I think would make for better content but is not possible is I love that we all played Breath of the Wild together. I think it made the conversations more interesting. Uh, I think we all kind of brought our own unique spin to it. I wish we could do it more often and maybe going into next year, going into 2018, uh, we could reevaluate how you approach things because I I am a strong believer that the more voices, the better. You want to know when it's going to happen again? Mario. Mario. Oh yeah, we're all gonna play the hell out of Mario. All of us in the moment. But I'd like, like to expand too, that maybe. beyond Nintendo games. Yeah, well, it's hard. Not that buddy. I don't. I, it is hard. It is hard. It's really hard. We are imperfect creatures. Yeah. We have our own biases. But Mario, I, I'm just Nintendo's saying. Nintendo's just like accessible, so everyone yeah. can like easily hop in. Maybe especially with that definitely. switch. Definitely. Like yeah. I can't. I can't really think of the last time it happened was like Bloodborne and Zelda. Yeah, but I mean, even something like Detroit, where we're not guaranteed to love it, it'd be cool if we all played through. What I want to do with Detroit is another Until Dawn. Sure. I don't think there's enough characters. There's only like. Oh yeah, but I mean, I think that all of us playing it together would be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And like the whole thing. Yeah. Oh god. Kyle trolling. That's what that means. Yeah. Well, we can troll back. Kyle like killing innocent civilians and laughing about it. Back. We'll get his character <laughs> killed immediately. Um, we're going to wind it down. We're going to wrap up this Do show. Do you think Kyle plays Renegade in private? Yeah. Or Paragon? Like in private? I is, think he's neutral. In private, is Kyle like a goody two-shoes? And then no. just when he's being watched, here's he's my, evil in games? Like, here's my neutral. answer to that. <laughs> is I, and what I, something I respect. I think he thinks a lot about it. 
Not yeah, decide on a limb. Absolutely, takes, absolutely. Takes the 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 context of the yes. game and how it is presenting itself, and then makes his decision. But he commits hard. <laughs> yeah, he commits hard. I and just, is firm. I just bring it up because I remember he killed the rabbit in Until Dawn, like immediately. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, without bam, hesitation. Without hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so. Do your characters do usually end up Paragon? In games? I play. I'm such a goody two shoes. Oh really? I'm always. I always just do what I think makes the most sense in the totally. moment. Totally, like and it Witcher. Always, for me, it always. I always end up like yeah. totally neutral in the yeah. end. Witcher, I was like mostly good with a little bit of neutral because like of the way you encounter monsters in that game. It's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. like you, you might be a good person, but you're also a liability to the greater good. So mm-hmm. I'm almost never purely evil, but I do think it is f- like what I like about Renegade so much is, yes, you're a jerk. But you're getting it done, yeah. and so you like it's just kind of like a its own way yeah. of good. I think that is very fun. To, I'm looking uh, to forward to as. Divinity uh, too because yeah. it's like I'm gonna make a character and I'm gonna make some choices. Yeah, yeah. and you and can make choices are gonna with be a friend. So weird. That's yeah. why Easy I always update incoming. That's why oh, I love oh, baby. Like that's why I always go back to Witcher over Mass Effect because like yeah. Mass Effect felt so like binary of like yeah, good bad it's very binary yeah. i love just being able to take each moment as it comes and like also i love in games like when that. you're not sure which like yeah. mass effect is like they label them i think where it's yeah. like this is the mean choice this is the nice choice i'm like i want to not be sure if i'm doing the right thing sometimes yeah. i like, think of the witcher with the the werewolf and not be sure if i'm memeing the werewolf right. where you like give him the heart and you can like poison it and it'll kill him yeah or you can like cure him, but he's also like a murdering psychopath. It's like, but he's like, we should forgiveness. Re- we should retroactively go back and give Witcher three the game of the year, <laughs> and keep we, Bloodborne the game. We, of the year. Oh, okay, I was like, yeah. I will burn this Just place to the ground. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we are wrapping up this show. We're ending it at under three hours. Nice. Just but barely. By ten minutes, we made just it. barely. I might still make it to the Dark Tower. Yeah, you might still make it to this movie that you really want to see. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I don't know. I never know how it's gonna go. I never know how the audience is gonna perceive it. But just being here in the moment, uh, I enjoyed the conversations with you guys. You really were very active in all of the discussions. Uh, you played along with me super well, so I appreciate it. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Michael Huber. If you want more of us, uh, go to patreon.com slash easyallies. You can see everything that we're doing. It's also the best way to support us. Uh, thank you to our first sponsors of the Frame Trap. Yeah. This is kind of like a cool special moment yeah, for me. And for you guys, I, I hope I hope you uh, check those guys out and give them some love. And uh, thank you so much, sponsors, for supporting the show. We will see you next time.